Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. My name is Sam Parsons, and this is Frozen Dead Guy Days. Every March, pedestrians, that is to say, the kind folk that live in Nederland, Colorado, welcome people from all across the country into their cozy mountain town to celebrate the day that Grandpa was discovered illegally living on the outskirts of town. But before we delve into this strange series of events that led to the founding of the festival, Let's first learn about the town itself. Nederland began as a settlement when gold was found in 1859. In 1871, the first post office was established here, and three years later, the town got its name. Of course, nowadays, the locals just call the town Ned. This is Steve Blackwell, one of Nederland's most dedicated residents. Nederland started as a mining town and had a boom in population pretty early on. But during World War I, the city emptied almost overnight. Tungsten was so highly sought after that it eventually became cheaper to import. Some stubborn folk remained, and Nederland became just another quiet mountain town. And while he seemed to know everything about town, Steve was a little more interested in the rumors of ghost stories in the surrounding areas. This is a town that began to flourish under the presence of spooky happenings. To learn more about the town's flagship festival, I turned to Guy, the Grand Marshal of Frozen Dead Guy Days. So, Guy, can you explain your role in Frozen Dead Guy Days? Yeah, sure. My job is to lead the parade on the day of the event. Uh, it is the Grand Marshal's duty to provide the parade with a consistent pace on the correct route. I'm also in charge with helping design the hearses that are featured in the parade. Is this a full-time commitment for you, or do you have employment outside of designing hearses? <laughs> well, this is an honor position, but uh, doesn't demand too much time, especially since I have the whole year to prepare. I'm usually running my business at the local candy shop, Taffy-tastic, tell your friends. I'm one of the only five town council members. Guy Evans was a big advocate of the Frozen Dead Guy Days Festival. Every year, this festival brings a lot of new faces into town. Courtney Jensen has managed the front desk for the Coal Creek Lodge for the past six years. Coal Creek Lodge has a cozy and rustic atmosphere that attracts lodgers year-round. With the ski season at the mountain resort near Nederland and frozen dead guy days in the spring, Nederland's only year-round hotel receives an abundance of business. While other hotels do open for the festival and winter months, Coal Creek Lodge is always the first to fill up. Well, I lived here in town just about all my life, and I've worked here since I was 16. Then you've seen your share of tourists? Definitely. Usually I get all the regulars, people from out of town who have been coming to the festival since its inception. You know, the kind of people who book a year in advance, just to make sure they're here for the celebrations get rolling in. Is Grandpa the biggest draw for people coming into town? Well, we don't show off Grandpa as much as we used to. I think it's mostly for his preservation's sake. 
but the festivities created in his honor get bigger every year. It is definitely the biggest rush season. But in the spring and summer, we get people coming up for ghost hunting or trying to catch Bigfoot, too. Oh, that's a common thing? <laughs> well, up here it is. I think ever since we found Grandpa, we've become somewhat of an epicenter of paranormal things. Some people claim to hear mystery radio signals or seeing folk that shouldn't be where they are. Things of that nature or the big one lately, the Lake Clarity Curse. Netherland Shopping Center is a two-story building with shops of every kind, from camping gear to Netherland attire, and even home to the sheriff's office. Hello, Mr. Barlow? That's my name. Come on in. And please, drop the mister. I like to think I'm not that old. Just call me John. I take it you're my uh, morning appointment. As you can guess, John was a pretty upbeat and casual guy. He's been living in Netherland for almost his entire life. In fact, John was very well-versed when it came to Netherland's chilled resident. See, Trygvi Bavga and his mom moved to America all the way from Norway. When they first got there, they kept old Grandpa frozen at some facility down in California. But a few years later, in uh, 93, they moved the body to Netherland. It was the grandson's goal to start his own cryonics facility here. But he got booted out for staying too long. So his mom took care of Grandpa, kept him frozen in the shed, behind their house. It seems Grandpa's discovery was completely random. Bavka's mother was found living in a house without utilities. I'm talking no lights, no plumbing, nothing. So she got kicked out, and that's when she told the journalists about the bodies behind her house. This is when John took a moment to remind me that it is, in fact, illegal to store deceased bodies in your home. So what happened when the city learned about this illegal stowaway? It's rather surprising. Well, you see, the city overturned it for old Grandpa. It seems, shortly after his discovery, Grandpa had become the talk of the town. There was a lot of controversy as to what should happen to the bodies, or whether they would fall into municipal hands. After a lot of back and forth between citizens, it was decided. Grandpa would stay, becoming Netherlands' residential corpse. With the corpse as an official citizen of town, it was clear to see how all the ghost stories began. Though these pedestrians didn't live in fear of the odd happenings, they embraced them. It seemed like you were lucky enough to run into something that goes bump in the night. It was cause for celebration. After chatting with John, the next stop was Taffy-tastic. Tiffany, an employee of Taffy-tastic, detailed exactly how Grandpa is celebrated each year. Tiffany, do you have an official role in the Frozen Dead Guide Festival? I am a huge fan. I've been going to the festival since I was a kid, back when it started in 2002. Do you have a favorite part? That's really tough to answer. I love volunteering during the festival and giving the tour of Grandpa's shed. People really love seeing where he's frozen. But I also really like the costume contest. You know I won two years ago? Oh, I still have the award and everything. Oh my god, and I love the poetry slam. I asked Tiffany how she was going to celebrate this year. Well, I just bought the materials to build my coffin. Nothing fancy, right? Just a simple one, but this year, I'm gonna race. It seemed everyone in town had a reason for loving the festival so much. Here are some of the interviews with other Nedestrians. If you've never done the Polar Plunge, you need to change that. I live outside of Ned, but I make a trek down there, sun or snow, just to see it all go down. And it's comforting being surrounded by your neighbors. 
coffin bobsled races, a hearse parade, freezing ice water plunges, creepy costume contests, Frozen Dead Guy Days has a little something for everyone. Amber Knepple is the event coordinator for Frozen Dead Guy Days, the woman behind it all. Well, I think it's a great event that brings everyone in town together. No matter where they're from or how long they've lived here, everyone can bond over Grandpa. Back in the 90s, it was a big controversy that intrigued the masses, but the town was on odd sides. What's your favorite part of Frozen Dead Guy Days? All right, this might sound a little odd, but it's actually the one event that has almost nothing to do with Grandpa. It's the pancake breakfast. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, it's one of the things we've done since the inauguration of the festival. I just think it's really neat to see how many people come out in the early hours of the morning to be part of something bigger than themselves, in common celebration. It's also a great chance to see how much the festival grows every year. There's something really exciting about that. Do you have any additional thoughts you'd like to share about Frozen Dead Guy Days? There's nothing I can think of, but come out, eat some pancakes, enjoy the weather, and let's celebrate. This year, Netherland is celebrating the Frozen Dead Guy Days on March 9th through the 11th, and it should be bigger and better than ever. Is this all you found? No, sir, there's more. This is what we obtained from her producer, Eric Kemp. Miss Parsons recorded numerous notes and events during the period of interest. We've collected what we believe to be the bulk of her recordings. Are we worried about a breach of information? Not so far, sir. We are still working on suppressing the incident. Currently, we are actively monitoring all involved parties. How long will it take for you to process the recordings? I have my team working on them already. I estimate we should be done within the next 48 hours. Good. As soon as we finish, I'll be generating an after-action report and submitting my proposal, sir. Your proposal? Yes, sir. Sergeant, what exactly is this proposal for? Sir, if I may speak freely. Permission granted. I believe it is in our department's best interests to reopen Site 5 and relaunch the McCheech project. I believe we were on the brink of a big discovery but it was stopped due to an incompetent- Careful, Sergeant. I said you may speak freely, not carelessly. I apologize, sir. Continue. I believe that with our current understanding of other anomalous sites, we could fully harness the power of the Rift. The Rift? Yes, sir. I've been reviewing the files from the original team. They refer to the anomaly as the Rift. <laughs> That's a new one. If I may speculate, sir. You may. I believe the rift works in conjunction to the anomalies found at Site 2 and Site 7. You do? I do. I'm still gathering evidence. But I'll have my theory fully documented in my proposal, sir. All right, Sergeant Major. I expect your report, and this proposal, in 72 hours. Affirmative, sir. Thank you, sir. Never mistake coincidence for fate, Stephen King said. And the story I have to tell you seems just as spooky and mysterious as some of the books he writes. My name is Sam Parsons, and while on assignment to report on a small town mountain festival, I came upon something much darker and much more sinister. 
I was sent to report on Netherlands' frozen dead guide days. A little festival held every year in Netherlands, Colorado, to celebrate the day a guy was cryogenically frozen and discovered living in Netherlands. Less than 45 minutes outside of Netherlands is a lake, and beside the lake is a long abandoned summer camp. A mere few months before I visited Netherlands, five teens ventured to the camp, but only one of those teens allegedly made it out alive. One body is still reported to be missing. 26 other people with an array of characteristics have also gone missing or been reported dead in the same area over the past four decades. This is the story of Lake Clarity. And good God! Damn, Jules! Here it is, Netherland. What a cute little town. So the town sits right off of this gorgeous lake, big mountains on either side. Still making my way toward the town. It looks pretty small. Making my way downtown. But, ugh, I'm jumping out of my skin with excitement and nerves. Jules, Baker Reservoir is so gorgeous. On the other side of the shore, people are fishing, and there's a big dam at the head of the lake. I, I wish you could... Oh, huh? Hello, officer. Hey, you'll, uh, you'll have to detour. Road's closed just ahead. Is everything all right? <laughs> well, nothing like that, little miss. There's an abandoned semi-truck a little ways up the road. It's blocking anyone from getting through. No way through, huh? Well, we'll have this wrapped up in, uh, just a little bit. New in town? Am I wearing a sign? <laughs> Call it a cop's instinct. Or, you could say, I, I've lived here a long time and I've never seen you before. Of course, small towns. Where are you from? I'm a reporter just out of Denver. I'll be reporting on frozen dead guy days for Denver Public Radio. My name's Sam Parsons. All right. Pleasure to meet your acquaintance. We're happy to have you here. After all, we thrive on tourists and, uh, curious types we get here. Curious types? Snoops. Amateur ghost hunters. Bigfoot believers. <laughs> wow, quite the list. Yeah. <laughs> Pleasure meeting you. Sure. Uh, well, anyways, little miss, uh, you'll want to take 128E into town. Uh, you know, that's that road right there behind you. Yep, you just go right ahead and you, you make a, a safe U-turn from here and you, you head right up there. That's Sheriff Powell. He sounds a little rough around the edges, but a pretty nice guy, it turns out. Everyone in town calls him Slowhand, and they speak highly of him. This wasn't the last time I ran into Slowhand. Jules, even the side roads in Netherlands are beautiful. Just rows and rows of golden aspen trees in beautiful aged houses. <laughs> Either my GPS is faulty, or Eric loosened his purse strings. My hotel looks amazing. It was a small hotel with large wooden logs making up the exterior walls and some lavish decor inside. I'm assuming it was the only hotel in town because my producer, Eric, is known for pinching pennies. You Once inside the hotel, there. I was treated to a hell of a first impression. 
The Can desk clerk frantically kit, searched please? behind the counter for a first aid kit while a local officer was clutching at a bleeding wound. The real attraction was the man handcuffed to one of the lobby chairs. Rocking back and forth, he was muttering to himself. I tried to make out at least some of what he was saying. That's when the desk clerk sprang up with the bandages. I glanced towards the counter to see the officer quickly wrap himself up before he started approaching the handcuffed man. I turned my gaze to the mumbling man and caught him staring at me. Our eyes locked for a moment before the officer dragged the man past me. Pardon us. I can't believe this guy. Leaves his trailer in the middle of the goddamn highway. What a jackass. So sorry about that. Can I help you? Uh, you're totally fine. Been one of those days, you know. Been there. Netherland always this exciting. No, almost never. It's a pretty sleepy town. They love their pancakes, you know. May I assume that you're Mrs. Kemp? Uh, nope. My name is Sam Parsons. Uh, you must be thinking Eric Kemp. He's my producer. He probably put the reservation under his name accidentally. Uh, can you look and see? Uh, there should be, like, a note with my name in it. Oh, yes! Would you look at that? I see it right there. Just one of those days. Let me just pull up your reservation. Here to see the sights? A haunted tour, maybe? I'm actually reporting on the Frozen Dead Guy days. That's not for a little while. Well, I'm just down here for a little research. We are going to release the piece in segments. The first part will be a week or two before the festival. Yep, they're still a way away from the next festival. About six months? That is, if I still remember what month we're in. <laughs> we like to make it fun around here. You'll see. I'm definitely early. I'm here now to follow the festivals from the first few stages of setup and organization, maybe interview some of the locals. I'll be back in March to cover the actual event. Maybe I could interview you sometime? Get your perspective on the festival. Oh, sure. It brings a lot of people into the hotel. That's exactly the kind of information I'm looking for. I'll need to schedule an interview well, with you. Well, I'm always around here. And if you go up the main road a bit, you'll find the visitor center of Germany. The fellow who works there knows all about Netherland. Perfect. You're helping me out already. Yay. Honestly, I just love the festival. Mind if I ask what you love about it? Oh, sure. You know, it's like getting a second Halloween. They always have coffin bobsled races and hearse parade. Costumes are always fun. I love dressing up. It's nice, though. They keep it family-friendly. Well, I'm sold. Can't wait to meet... Jeremy. Jeremy, and learn more about it. But, as they say, first thing last, I'll go ahead and get settled in. Oh, yes. Here's your room key. Thank you so much, uh... Courtney. Courtney, yes. It was nice to meet you. Thank you. Barring the crazy man, the bleeding cop, and a closed road, it seemed like a quiet, normal small town. No sooner did this thought cross my mind that things decided to get interesting. While I unpacked, my phone rang. It was my girlfriend, Natalie. I hadn't called her to let her know I got there safe, so she took matters into her own hands. Hello? Hey, you didn't call me. How was the trip? Sorry, it was long but beautiful. Make it up there, okay? Yeah, I just got into town a bit ago, and I'm still alive. And how do I know I'm not talking to your ghost right now? Fair question. I suppose you'll have to wait a few more days to find out my fate. What are you doing right now? I'm packing everything. Did you call to have me narrate every move I make? It might be better than TV. <laughs> you know, it was the craziest thing. 
there was an abandoned semi-truck and some crazy guy sitting in the hotel lobby when I got here. I'm not following, sweetie. Was the truck in the lobby with the crazy guy? In what way was the guy crazy? Ha ha. These are important distinctions. As of the moment, all I know is that there is an abandoned semi, a crazy guy, and zero context. So you didn't call to have me narrate my day to you. You called to critique me. Don't be a sourpuss. So, how shitty is your room? You see, the crazy thing is, it's a pretty nice hotel. I'm certain Eric has no idea it's this nice. Oh my god! What? Get out of there! Uh, Get out of there right now! Are you being serious right now? It's a trap! I'm pretty sure this is just a room. Sweetie, you're in some weird Twilight Zone-esque parallel dimension where everything seems the same, but secretly everyone has reptilian tails. Yes, I'm certain none of that is true. Put it to the test. The next person you see, just grab their face and start peeling. Oh, odd. Did you say something? The same semi-truck that was blocking the road just pulled into the parking lot right outside my window. A parking lot view? That sounds a lot more like Eric booking now. Are you paying attention to the truck or to me? Hun, can I call you back? Really? We've been talking for only- something weird going down. When I say Nederland is a small town, I mean, it's a small town of less than 2,000 people. Tiny, microscopic. The sheriff's office isn't even in a standalone building, as you might expect. Instead, it's part of a storefront in the bottom right-hand corner of one of those multi-business center two-story buildings. Listeners in more urban areas need to understand this. Small towns of this type in Colorado have things consolidated for everyone's convenience. Now. Picture this in your mind. The parking lot outside my window sits between my hotel and that two-story business center. This business center is adjacent to the town supermarket, which resides on the east side of the parking lot, and across from it on the west side was a train car turned coffee house, and next to that is the town's signature carousel. This place is the hub, the hive, the nucleus. And now, here are a bunch of officers standing around the semi-truck, preparing to open it. Its mystery contents, for better or for worse, are on display for the whole town. And me? I had a front row seat. But first, a quick message from our sponsors. Hey everyone, it's Pacific. I have two quick notes for you. First up, this episode of Lake Clarity is brought to you by Chegg. For $5 off your first month subscription, go to chegg.com slash lakeclarity and use promo code lakeclarity. That's L-A-K-E C-L-A-R-I-T-Y. Chegg is a leader of online study assistance. Whether you need textbook solutions or expert Q&A, there's no better tool to help you ace any class than Chegg's study. Getting online study assistance should never break the bank. Get more for your money with Chegg's study. And the best part is, you can get an answer back in as little as two hours, anytime, anywhere. As some of the listeners may know, I'm an English and a theater major. So, math, not really my forte, but Chegg Study helped me get a good grade on my math test. So, if you're a student in college, I can't recommend Chegg highly enough. And again, for $5 off your first month's subscription, go to chegg.com slash lakeclarity and use promo code lakeclarity. Once more, that's L-A-K-E-C-L-A-R-I-T-Y. And I want to tell you guys about our Patreon. We've just revamped it and added a lot of new things. For just $1 every month, 
you can get access to weekly content drops where you can hear things like sneak peeks of our Lake Clarity Season 2 OST and songs from the Enox Saga's upcoming OST, or you could even get behind-the-scenes content. Or for a little bit more every month, you can get access to our monthly live streams. And even a copy of this Supercut without this commercial interruption. So if you want any of that, head down to our Patreon. You can find the link in the description below. Alright, and one more thing before I let you guys get back to the Supercut. Stay tuned to our feed. We'll have a little surprise for you next week. All right, that's all. Thanks. Natalie wasn't thrilled that I cut our call so short, but this felt important. If I had to guess, the entire police force was present. I'd venture to guess right, they were anticipating the worst. Cautiously, Sheriff Powell One, took the lead and opened up the two, trailer doors. Three. Oh. Oh. Judging by the way oh, the officers God. gasped and clutched at their mouths, I'd warrant a guess that the contents were revolting. What did they find inside? Just the usual. Stripped cow carcasses hanging from the rafters. Cow carcass plus no refrigeration equals yuck. Could this be just a case of a sleepy driver late with the shipment? Sheriff Powell stepped inside. Sheriff Powell came back out with a small wooden crate in tow. It seemed heavy. He and the officer from the lobby struggled to get the crate into the trunk of the police cruiser. Absolutely intrigued, I called my producer, Eric, to get his thoughts. Are you pulling my leg? No. You've been there half a day and you think you've stumbled onto the story of the year? <laughs> Hilarious. I can see you are carefully considering the event. Oh, you are priceless. Have you considered that trucker may have taken too many caffeine pills and missed his stop? That's just the first explanation off the top of my head. Shall, shall I keep going? I'm good. I know you're excited and eager to impress me. There was a time when I tried real hard to impress me, too. You're just developing your journalistic instincts. Your gut. But right now, you have a little baby gut. Can we leave my gut out of this? And my seasoned veteran guts is here to help your baby guts along the way. So, pursue the story. <laughs> no, drop it. But just what if... Maybe Eric was right. Maybe I was making this more than it was. Maybe I wasn't. In all honesty, I didn't have much to go off anyways. So, I was on to my first interview. The Grand Marshal of the Frozen Dead Guy Days. You might be asking yourself, what kind of person leads the Frozen Dead Guy Days Parade? Well, perhaps it's not who you would expect. Hello, yes. Hello, my name is Guy Evans, and I'm the Grand Marshal. <laughs> so, the Grand Marshal guy named Guy? <laughs> you can just call me Guy for short. So, Guy, can you explain your role in Frozen Dead Guy Days? Yeah, sure. My job is to lead the parade on the day of the event. Uh, it is the Grand Marshal's duty to provide the parade with a consistent pace on the correct route. I'm also in charge with helping design the hearses that are featured in the parade. Is this a full-time commitment for you, or do you have employment outside of designing hearses? <laughs> well, this is an honor position, but uh, doesn't demand too much time, especially since I have the whole year to prepare. I'm usually running my business at the local candy shop, Taffy-tastic, tell your friends. I'm one of the only five town council members. That's a pretty full dance card. <laughs> I don't dance much at all. You must know all the ins and outs of the city, then. <laughs> oh, yes. The ins, the outs, even the ups and the downs. <laughs>
Guy was a nice guy. Now, I wanted to learn a little bit more about Nutherland itself, really dig into the meat of the town. I was directed by some locals to visit the town's museum. Museum is a loose term here, mind you. It was a small, one-room home at the top of a hill overlooking the city. That's where I met Steve. Nederland began as a settlement when gold was found in 1859. Why, would you like me to pause to give you time to look over my rendering? I've got the gist. Moving along, in 1871, the first post office was established here, and three years later the town got its name. The name Nederland originates from the nickname the miners gave the mill, which they called Netherlands, because of how much lower the mill was from the mine. A Dutch company then named the town Nederland because that was their spelling of Netherlands. Would you care for me to wait as you looked over the photo showing the misspelled sign? I already got it locked away in the old noggin. <clears throat> you may proceed. Steve, a young guy, was clearly a dedicated Netherland history buff. Though it wasn't his knowledge of Netherland that caught my attention, it was this. You haven't heard of the Lake Clarity curse? Okay, brace yourself. So supposedly the curse all started when this young kid, Joseph, went missing. See, back in the 70s, there was a summer camp on the shores of the lake, Camp Clarity. But it shut down after the kid went missing. Forest rangers found his body a few months later. Ever since, the whole area is said to be haunted by the boy and all the other souls he claims. Did you know, since the 70s, over 26 people have gone missing just in the square mile around Lake Clarity? Rumors say that people go into the woods to hike, to swim at the lake, and before they know it, they're lost with no hope of getting back to humanity. After wandering through the woods for days or weeks, they eventually die, and that's when the boy takes their soul and returns their bodies to our world where they're eventually found. A child leading travelers astray and stealing their souls? Sounded just like the kind of thing a no-good meddling kid such as myself could get into. I was ready to leave the urban legend as it was. Then, Steve just had to mention. The curse is said to continue to this day, according to some, of course. Not everyone believes in such things. At least, not until something comes up to work everyone up into a frenzy all over again. About four months ago, five teens from Denver came up and stayed at Camp Clarity. I think they fancy themselves ghost hunters or something. Anyways, after a few days of camping out there, one of the kids stumbles out into the highway, caked from stem to stern in blood. Human blood. Looked pretty banged up as well. Kid said all of his friends were dead, and there was a monster living in the woods. What? What happened? Forest rangers checked it out. Didn't find them? Oh, they found the teenagers. Or at least three of them. Looked like a bear wandered into their camp. They probably never had a chance. What happened to the kid, the survivor? No one is sure. Though people say he caught a pretty bad dose of PSD. PTSD. Probably came down with that, too. And this really happened? Sure did. How didn't I see this in the news? You've got the internet? Search it. I did, and it was real. The material online was scarce, but it was there. I convinced Steve to tell me more about the kids, about the lake, and its dark history. I know, I know, it's not what I'm up here to investigate, but it's this damn baby gut of mine. I needed to know more. Recording? Go on, say hi to Jules. Hi, Jules. All right, Jules, we are here in the Netherlands Public Library. Steve has already pulled up some of the older articles about missing people, namely a couple who went missing on a hike five years ago. A much earlier case described a man who was camping in the area, and police found only the shredded remains of his tent. And now, Steve has pulled up an article detailing the recently missing kids. 
Basically, all of the stuff not on the internet. Would you do the honors? Really? Sure. Okay, it reads, Five teens from the Denver metro area went camping on the shores of Lake Clarity. <clears throat> Expected only to be gone for a few days, parents Angela and Barbara grew worried after hearing no response from their children, Seth and Brandon. A day after that, they were expected to return. The parents reached out to the local forest ranger station. The parents learned that a young man had been dropped off at the station a few days prior. Seth had slipped into a comatose state after sustaining several injuries and a concussion. All attempts to identify this young man had been fruitless until his mother confirmed that it was in fact her child, who had been recovered from the nearby woods. Unfortunately, the whereabouts of his four friends has yet to be determined. Forest rangers are forming search parties to help find the missing individuals. If you're interested in volunteering, please... I guess this must be in a later issue. What's in a later issue? Well, not even a week later, the mangled bodies of the kids were found. Rumor has it the wounds found on the recovered body were consistent with that of a bear attack. Apparently they had been warned about the dangers of bears in the area, but neglected to heed the advice. Any running theories? Do you think it's bears? Or Joseph? From what I've heard, they were camping at Camp Clarity, which is like the biggest horror cliche ever. You never camp at, a, at the haunted summer camp, you know? That's just begging for it. But honestly, I think it was just bad timing. Bears tend to be more active at the end of spring, and that's right around when the kids went missing. <laughs> you subscribe to the ghost stories, then? Don't get me wrong. I love ghost stories. People come visit our city based on these folk tales, but honestly, I just think there are way too many variables for most of these situations and not enough available facts. Netherlands seem to have a lot going on underneath the surface. Unsatisfied, I return to my hotel with what I'd like to call journalistic blue balls. There, I finally called Natalie back and decompressed. My itch for the truth hadn't quite been satisfied, but I was ready to return to my actual assignment. That didn't last long, as the story revealed itself to me. Ahead of me was a long day. Despite this, Lake Clarity was front and center on my mind. Something wasn't right. There was something missing. An incomplete puzzle. But before I tackled these questions, I had to get out of bed, which proved to be quite an endeavor. I had spent all night in my hotel contemplating what had happened to the Lake Clarity campers and what was really going on at the haunted campgrounds. My first interviewee, John Barlow, has lived in Netherland almost his entire life. Growing up in Netherland, John has always been pretty close with nature, and since he was young, John always loved camping and outdoor survival, which is what led him to opening up the Netherland Camping Supply Depot. John's been outdoors enough to know what supplies are the best, most affordable, and most necessary. Upon first glance, you probably wouldn't guess that John is approaching his 60s. Despite his age, he's quite fit and still goes on camping trips when he can. When I walked up, John was just about to unlock the store. Hello, Mr. Barlow? That's my name. You must be Samantha. I go by just Sam. Well, come on, just Sam. And please, drop the mister. I like to think I'm not that old. Call me John. And this is for radio, right? Yes, I'm with Denver Public Radio. Wonderful. You know, my wife always told me I had a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm here to ask you some questions about Frozen Dead Guy Day Festival. Ah, yes, Grandpa. Grandpa? That's what we call the Frozen Dead Guy. His grandson first came here with the intent to start a cryogenic plant right here in Netherland. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. See, Trigvi Bavka and his mother moved to America all the way from Norway. They had old Grandpa Prito cryogenically frozen at some facility down in California. But a few years later, in 93, 
they moved the body here. It was the grandson's hope to start his own cryogenic facility here in Netherland, but he got booted out of the country. Odd, Trigvi's mother, took care of Grandpa, kept him frozen in the shed behind their house. Now everything was fine until somebody realized that Mom was living in a house with no utilities. I'm talking no lights, no plumbing, nothing. So upon investigation, folks found out that Grandpa Brito was being preserved out back in the shed. You know, it's against the law to keep dead bodies, right? Sure, of course. Well, you see, the city overturned it for old Grandpa. He's gotten so popular that the town decided to keep him. 2002 was the first festival, and the rest is history. To this day, he remains in a shed, and his dry ice needs replaced every couple weeks to keep him from thawing. That's incredible. <laughs> You'd be right. You seem to know a lot about Frozen Dead Guy. Um, can I ask you something totally unrelated? It depends on what you're asking. I don't know if I can answer, but it's certainly worth a shot. Do you know anything about Lake Clarity? Oh. John immediately reacted. His wide smile dropped and he suddenly looked a lot older. I'm sorry if it's a sore topic. We don't have to. No, no, it's fine. How much do you know about Camp Clarity? Not much at all. I know that it's supposedly haunted by a young boy and that a lot of people have gone missing nearby. <sighs> the boy you're referring to was my best friend growing up. Joseph. Joe lived right next door to me. He liked the outdoors just as much as I do. When him and I turned 10, we were so excited because we were finally allowed to attend Camp Clarity. You see, my older brother, Wyatt, went to the camp and always told us about how much fun it was. He was a camp counselor the year we attended. We spent the whole summer fishing, swimming, hiking. We learned to paddle canoes and started a fire. On the last night of the camp season, we went to bed after the final s'mores roast. And when the boy cabins woke up, Joe was missing. The rangers arrived and started investigating. All the staff was held for questioning while townsfolk were out searching for Joe. His parents were so devastated. He just disappeared overnight, and the camp got shut down. He couldn't recover from such bad press. They lost a camper, and I lost a friend. Mr. Barlow, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Well, now you do. And there's one thing I know for certain, because I've camped up there plenty of times. There is no curse around Camp Clarity. There never was. Anyone who says so is just besmirching my childhood friend's name. And now I got a store to open. Have a good day, miss. That turned sour quickly, but I had learned something. The memory of Lake Clarity was still pretty fresh in the minds of people here, in Netherland. I knew to tread carefully from now on. I also knew where I might get some more answers. But before I continue on my pursuit, my next interviewee, Tiffany, was waiting for me. Hey, you the interview check? That was Tiffany. She's who you'd expect to work in a candy shop. Colorful clothes, bright pink lipstick, always seemed to smile, and I swear, she had probably tried everything in the store and could tell you what you wanted upon arrival. She was good at her job. And I left it with my new favorite flavor of saltwater taffy. Let me guess, marshmallow saltwater taffy? Oh, uh, I don't know. Here, try this piece. I think you'll love it. I take it you're Tiffany. One of hundreds of thousands, yes. 
Hi, I'm Sam from Denver Public Radio. Yeah, writing about the Frozen Dead Guy days, right? Actually, it's radio, so I'll be recording you, if you don't mind. And I've actually already started. I don't mind at all. Tiffany, do you have an official role in the Frozen Dead Guide Festival? I am a huge fan. I've been going to the festival since I was a kid, back when it started in 2002. Wow. Are your parents into it, too? Hell yeah, they are. They were the first ones in line for the first ever ice plunge. So it's a whole family thing. Oh yeah, totally. Well, except for my sister Tammy. Tammy thinks it's pretty creepy, but I'm sure she'll come around, you know? Do you have a favorite part? Hmm, that's really tough to answer. I love volunteering during the festival and giving the tour of Grandpa's shed. People really love seeing where he's frozen. But I also really like the costume contest. You know I won two years ago? Oh, I still have the award and everything. Oh my god, and I love the poetry slam. That's pretty exciting. This festival seems to be nostalgic for you. I mean, you know, it was always a cool thing to do with my family, and I always felt like it was mine. In those first few years, the crowds were smaller, and I just feel lucky to have watched it grow all these years. And this year, holy cow, this year is going to be the best yet. And why's that? Well, I just bought the materials to build my coffin. Nothing fancy, right? Just a simple one. But this year, I'm going to race. Well, I look forward to seeing you race. I'll be rooting for you. Thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners about the festival? Come visit Taffy Tastic and cheer for your girl, Tiffany. Tiffany was energetic and excited, and I had barely woken up. But I was on to my next stop and so, so close to coffee. Next is Lane Norris. They are one of the volunteers who helps run the carousel. Is carousel operator your daytime job? <laughs> oh, God, no. But I try to work the carousel three to four days a week. When I don't work here, I also pull shifts at the supermarket. You know, the one on the other side of the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I know the one you're talking about. May I ask why you like to volunteer so much time here? Uh, you know, it's nice making people happy. It's pretty hard to ride a carousel and be angry. It recharges me. <laughs> Absolutely. So what is your connection to the Frozen Dead Guy Days Festival? Oh, well, I volunteer there too, where I can. Sometimes I help paint hearses or hand out hand warmers on the day of the event, because it can get pretty cold. Nice. Do you partake in any of the festivities? I hear the polar plunge is pretty popular. <laughs> Absolutely not. I am a huge wimp when it comes to the cold. That's why, if I can, I take care of the hand warmers. See, the trick is, you get like four or five and just line your pockets with them. Pants, coats, anywhere you can put one. <laughs> I will remember that when I come back in March. It helps. Hard to enjoy anything if you're cold. But hey, maybe we'll get a warm festival this year. <laughs> Isn't that a little counterintuitive? Nah, Grandpa's not going to thaw out. I'm sure he'd understand us wanting a warm year. If the polar plunge isn't your thing, what is your favorite part of the festival? Thawing off afterwards. Nah, I'd probably say it's the silent disco. Anything to get me moving and warm. Have you been celebrating Frozen Dead Guy Day since the beginning? I was actually a pretty late adapter. I sat out the first few years after I moved here because it snowed so much. I think it was three years ago, my friend Steve dragged me out. Oh, Steve from the museum? Yeah, I see you met him. Well, then I'm sure he's expressed his love for Netherland. Frozen Dead Guy days are no different. Steve loves them. Oh, hold on. The interview ended there, as Lane had to get back to their volunteer duties. Now, a cup of coffee. Needless to say, at 8.30 a.m., the line was long. Megan needed to reschedule the interview because it was a pretty busy morning. We settled on another day, and I sat down with my coffee. I was just starting to browse Facebook when I looked up and caught Steve waving to me. Hey, m mind if I sit here? 
Go for it. Just word of warning. I can be mean if I haven't finished my coffee. <laughs> gotcha. What are you doing here? It's my first stop on the way to work. What you drinking? Caramel latte. Wimp. You can be mean. What do you have? Coffee. Black as night sky. Wow. Well, anyways, I was hoping I'd run into you. Oh? Why's that? See, I knew I had read about the kids, but it turns out it was the Boulder paper that wrote about it, not the Netherland one. Check out page five. It's the info box on the left-hand side. Not even a full page, huh? Guess not. After combing the woods in Lake Clarity area, Rangers Francis and Nafak recovered the bodies of the four missing teens. Allie, Brandon, Aaron, and Mike were reported missing less than a month ago, after their friend Seth was found wounded on the highway. Seth had claimed that he and his friends came under attack, presumably by a bear. Rangers Francis and Nafak have since been able to confirm that the wounds found on the three of the recovered bodies were, in fact, consistent with that of a bear attack. One of the teens, Allie, was not found, but authorities have declared her dead and called off all searches. Our hearts go out to the affected families of the deceased. It's not much, but I figured it was at least a conclusion to the story you were looking into. Yeah. Not what you were hoping for? No, not really. Hey, Steve, do you know John Barlow? Um... Owner of the camping store. Oh, yeah, he's a good guy. He was telling me he was friends with Joseph, said they went to Camp Clarity together. Oh, yeah. A lot of the older folk in town were there when it happened. It really shook him up. My grandpa knows a lot about it. He does? Yeah. Do you think I could ask him a bit about it? Sure. But, I mean, you know he didn't go to camp? He was already, like, 20 when it opened. But he, he was really close with a guy who lived in a cabin on the other side of Lake Clarity. Is his friend still alive? Ah, uh, no. He actually went missing a few years before Joseph did. Left his daughter behind and everything. But town gossip was, he just walked out on her after he lost his wife to illness, so no one really gave it a second thought. Do you think it could take me up to Camp Clarity? Oh, abso-freaking-lutely. Steve was excited to have someone as interested in the Camp Clarity mysteries as he was. He then allowed his excitement to be deferred by his responsibilities. I mean, are you set on going today? Because I have work until, like, five tonight, but could we go after? It was my last day in town, and I wasn't sure if I'd have an opportunity to do this again. I agreed. I don't know why, but going up to Camp Clarity right around sunset just seemed just like the ticket. But that means I have most of the day to kill. So I began compiling my story, editing some of the basic work, and I got a moment to sit down and talk to Courtney. How long have you lived in Nederland? Well, I lived in town my whole life. I've worked here since I was 16. So, has Frozen Dead Guy Days been a big part of your family growing up? Oh, I mean, sure. I feel like it's kind of hard to grow up in Netherland and not have a Frozen Dead Guy be a part of your childhood. It's a pretty big cornerstone to the town. Uh, I'm curious, and this is totally unrelated to the festival, but do you mind if I ask you, what's the biggest change you've seen come to Netherland? <laughs> well, that's a tough one, but I guess I have to say the people, you know. I know. I know. It seems everyone is complaining new people coming to Colorado, especially that marijuana's been legalized. But honestly, the biggest change growing up was seeing all the new faces in town. Now, I've worked at the Coal Creek Lodge since I was 16. When someone from out of town stops in, I'm usually the first to see them. And over the years, I've learned how to figure out who is and isn't a tourist. It's a pretty small town, you know. But in the last few years, the people staying here aren't the tourist type. They're the settled down type. Now, you mentioned that you feel like 
the festival's almost a second Halloween. Why is that? Well, Netherlands kind of got its reputation for being that creepy town. You know? Chugston. Do you know what that is? Uh, not exactly. Rocks or something. Well, it's also an element, but I'm referring to the ghost town, just a few miles down the road. Ain't much left of it anymore, but back in World War II, Tugston was a huge town, because everyone was trying to mine Tugston, from the mountains around here, and a lot of people were getting rich fast. Up until one day, the U.S. didn't want it anymore, and the entire town dissipated, almost overnight. So, alongside a ghost town that doesn't exist anymore, Grandpa, and the Lake Clarity legends, you know about those, right? <laughs> now I do. <laughs> Good, because of all of that, Netherlands developed a name for being a spooky town. We have our first Halloween every year, in March, where we all come out to celebrate Grandpa and his frozen body, which, you know, love it or hate it, it's a bit morbid, but I love it. Is Grandpa the biggest draw for people coming into town? Well, we don't show off Grandpa as much as we used to. I think it's mostly for preservation sakes, but the festivities created in his honor get bigger every year. It is definitely the biggest rush season. But in spring and summer, we get people coming up to go ghost hunting or trying to catch Bigfoot, too. <laughs> oh, that's a common thing. <laughs> well, up here it is. I think ever since we found Grandpa, we've become somewhat of a epicenter of paranormal things. Some people claim to hear mysterious radio signals or seeing folk that shouldn't be where they are. Things of that nature. But it brings an extra business? <laughs> Definitely. Just then, my phone started to ring. It was my producer, Eric. I felt bad, but I asked Courtney if we could resume our interview another time. She agreed, and we set up another day. So, Jules and I were reviewing the files you uploaded. Yeah? What's all this stuff about Lake Clarity? Oh, I guess I just... Also, why do you refer to Jules in some of your memos? What, am I not good enough to be included? Oh, I mean, do you want me to direct some of the logs at you? <gasps> yes, please! Alrighty, then. I'm not done scolding you. What's up with this Lake Clarity nonsense? Another baby gut thing? Yes. Okay, the Rocky Mountain Telegraph covered this story back in July. And the local paper up in Netherlands wrote a full page about it. Well, I heard some rumors, and they piqued my interest. I had some downtime, and I thought, maybe I could make a cool feature article. Hmm. Okay, I'm fine with it, and I'm not going to try to stop you. But just make sure you don't miss any of your interviews. Or anything, okay? I won't hesitate to tell you I told you so. Got it. Aside from that, everything going okay? How are the interviews going? Are you loving it up there? I am. I was quite surprised by the accommodations. I was expecting something... Cheaper? <laughs> Trust me, I tried. <laughs> but I figured we could spare it this time. Just don't get used to it, okay? <laughs> Trust me, I won't. All right, just call in the checkup. And warn you of my veteran gut's wrath. Give me a call if anything comes up, all right? Aye, aye. Eric, out. Eric was a good boss, and I appreciated the reminder. And I know he had stuck his neck out getting me this assignment, and he had put a lot of faith into me. Which is why I felt all the more guilty when Steve called me, not even an hour later. Okay, so I got off a bit early, and I just stopped by the camping depot and got us some flashlights. Oh, thank you. You didn't have to do that. Maybe not, but I personally like to see what I'm about to step on. Plus, I'm bringing my camcorder, and it's totally useless if I can't see what I'm recording. Oh, you'll be recording? Yeah. I figured you'd have your microphone, so I'll have my thing too. 
Maybe I'll even catch a photo of a ghost. Oh, Lord. Are you ready to head up? Just about. I just need to pack a few things before then I can head off. Cool. I'm in the parking lot walking over to the hotel now, so I'll just chill in the lobby. Oh, I see you walking. Hey, look at that. All right, see you in a minute. All right, see you soon. I was ready. I had stocked my backpack with snacks and a large water bottle and all my necessary recording equipment. Steve, however, had a grocery bag with two flashlights and a granola bar. It was all that was left over for my lunch, and I figured we wouldn't be out there long enough for me to need much more. I didn't try to argue with him, and with that, we were headed on our way. We took Steve's Jeep up, as my car was full of my luggage, and Steve's Jeep was more suitable for dirt roads than my little car. Just as Steve had promised, Lake Clarity wasn't too far outside of Netherland, and just over 45 minutes later, we arrived at the turnoff. Now, this road wouldn't take us up to Camp Clarity, as the road had been shut down to the public, but this road would get us close enough. So we followed the bumpy dirt road for about two miles, and then parked at a small dirt lot at the base of the mountain. The sun wouldn't begin to set for another hour or so. Steve and I set out to cover as much ground as we could before we lost the light of day. Okay, so we're still a bit away from the camp, but there's a path that will take us up and around the mountain, and then from there we should be able to get to the camp. Have you ever been out here before? Oh yeah, a lot as a kid, but it's been at least five years since the last time I came out. Why so long? Because with all the hoopla surrounding the missing hikers and my granddad breaking his foot that year, I just didn't think it's safe to come out alone. What did you do out here? Well, my grandpa would take me out here when he was still in good shape, and we'd fish, hike, and hunt. The normal stuff. But it was kind of his way of trying to give me a traditional childhood, you know? I don't think I do. You didn't have a normal childhood? Well, my mom died due to complications while giving birth to me, and my dad was pretty unstable. I've been living with my mom's dad since I was seven. He retired pretty early because he had a good-paying job in construction, so he was able to raise me and keep me well-fed throughout my life. And his job kept him pretty healthy for the most part, but it did kind of take a toll on his muscles. What happened? Bad case of arthritis. Got it from so much manual labor. Ah. Uh. Yeah, so now that I'm old enough, I'm trying to help take care of him where I can. You know, small stuff, I like I get the groceries or help cook, but for the most part he likes to do everything himself, if he can. He's kind of stubborn like that, you know? Yeah, my girlfriend's the same way. Stubborn? Oh yeah. Don't get me wrong, I love Natalie to bits and pieces, but that girl can be set in her ways. Once she believes something or thinks it's right, it's almost impossible to convince her otherwise. But that's not necessarily bad, is it? Usually it's pretty helpful, she keeps me in check a lot, because I can tend to be a bit of a workaholic, but the moment I start giving too much focus to work, especially at the expense of myself, she puts her foot down and knocks me out of it. Sounds violent. <laughs> no, not really. Usually it involves her banning electronics from the bedroom and making me take a break. Honestly, without her, I'm sure I might crash and burn. I just hit my limit and keep going. How long have you two been together? Oh, almost three years. We met my freshman year. She was in the class before mine. We were kind of on and off for a little while, but we decided to be more committed to one another my sophomore year, and we've been stuck like glue ever since. Aw, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. So, have you ever wanted to leave Netherland? Hmm, that's a hard question. Yes and no. Oh, is it because of your grandpa? That's the big reason. Even though he says he doesn't need it, I want to be around to take care of him, like he took care of me. I mean, I have interest in traveling, but to me, this is home. 
I may travel a little later in my life, but I'm sure that Netherland will always be my permanent address. What do you do with your free time in this sleepy town when it's not tourist season? I read a lot, and it's not hard to get books up here. Plus, in winter, whenever it snows a bunch, which it often does, I always get to relax and read all day long. Read anything good lately? Hmm, I have to think about that. I'm between a few books right now. Hey, Steve, what's that down there? Oh, that? I think it's an emergency exit for the mine or something. It's been there for as long as I've remembered hiking up here. Can we go check it out? I'm pretty sure that fence around it is electric. Really? Why would they put an electric fence around an emergency exit? Well, those mines have been closed for a number of decades. I'm, I'm sure they're here to ward off people who want to loiter or explore the dark, cavernous mines. Actually, that sounds kind of spooky and fun. I mean, let's at least head down there and check it out. I wonder who were the last people down in that mine? I don't know. It's been out of commission since, well, almost 100 years, I guess. Bothered to come down this close to this before. To be honest, I'd only been on Overlook Trail a handful of times. Granddad preferred other trails. This is some. Whoa! Hey there. It's okay, Pupper. We're not here to harm you. It has a collar. Hey, little buddy. Are you okay? It's gonna be okay. Here. Let me just see your collar. Go ahead and sniff me. Shit! Ow! Bit me! Are you okay? It broke skin. Yeah, but I'm okay. It's just, it just hurts a lot. I'm, but I'm barely bleeding. Here, let me take a look. I'm trained in first response. Well, I think I'm okay, but sure. I didn't think you'd be trained in medical stuff. It's valuable and also required by the town that all city employees be trained in first response. Y your bleeding has already stopped. However, that dog was wild. We should probably get you checked at the clinic just in case. They have a bunch of Imovac shots in stock. Rabies? A shot? Come on, let's go. I think we're safe, but I don't want to try out running that dog. It's already pretty late, so I'll have to call Rob. Rob? Oh, Dr. Lamontia. Robert, he's a really nice doctor. He's been working here in Netherlands for some time, maybe ten years. He's really quiet, keeps to himself, but I'm sure he'll be happy to help us. When Granddad broke his foot, he was a huge help. At that point, we hurried back to the car in the hopes that we would reach cell service before the good doctor went to bed. It was a short journey back to Steve's car, and we spent most of the walk and the subsequent ride in silence, in part because my mind was racing and I was doing my best to slow it down, and in part because ten minutes into our drive, I fell asleep. Psst. Hey, Sam. You awake? Mm, what's up? We're here. I spoke to Rob. He said he'd agree to meet us inside the clinic. Okay. Come on, Sleepy. Looks like he's already here. The lights are on. Hey, Rob, thanks for again for meeting us here on such short notice. It's no problem, Steve. You must be Sam. I am. Pleasure to meet you, Dr. Lamontia. I heard you had a run-in with a wild dog. See, that's the thing. It had a collar and everything, and I thought it was just like a lost dog, but, well, this happened. Hmm. Looks like a nasty bite. I guess I'll get you checked out. Just take a seat over there. Where'd you meet this dog? We went out into the woods. I asked Steve to take me up to Camp Clarity. Camp Clarity? What were you doing out there? I'm a journalist, and I was just seeing if there was anything new to look into those five missing teens. You should be more careful out there. There's a lot of unknown out in those woods. That dog was likely domesticated and they became feral. All right, 
It appears that it did break skin, but it didn't remove any flesh. There's minimal bleeding. You're lucky. I will get you the shot, and you'll get this cleaned. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Now, you'll want to get some rest tonight. Take it easy because some of the side effects, including itching, swelling, fatigue, muscle pain, dizziness, and even nausea. So I can't drive home tonight to I, Denver? I would highly recommend that you don't. I already checked out of my hotel. You can stay the night at my house. We have a spare room. That would be a wise decision. I don't want it to impose. You fell asleep on the car ride back. You're already tired and it's already late. If you don't stay at my house, then you should go back to Coal Creek, but you don't head back to Denver tonight. Well, Eric was expecting me back tomorrow, and Natalie tonight. But I guess. Are you sure it's okay that I stay in her home? Hey, don't sweat it. Plus, I'd feel pretty shitty if you died on the way to Denver. Lots of twisty roads up here, you know. Doesn't make for safe driving late at night. Granddad would love meeting you. You can even interview him tomorrow morning, and then you can head back to Denver. That's very kind of you. I would really appreciate it, and I'd be more than happy to toss some money your way. What? Nah, don't even sweat it. I appreciated Steve's kind offer. It was a nice slice of small-town hospitality. After stopping at my car to get some of my belongings, Steve took us to his home. It was a humble little house residing on the outskirts of Netherland. My body was exhausted. Needless to say, I'd gotten pretty cozy working on an air-conditioned desk, and this nighttime hike had taken a lot out of me. Are you comfy? Yep. And that thing can pick me up, even if it's over there? Yeah. It's a field recorder, so it's good at picking up distant sounds. I just need to adjust a little bit. Do you mind saying a few words, just so I can test it? Oh, uh, sure. Um, what sort of things would you like me to say? All right, that's perfect. Give me just a sec. Okay, would you mind stating your name? All righty. My name is Alan Blackwell. I like to go by Al. And how long have you lived in Netherland? Hmm, let's see, about, what is it now, 52 years? I'd been coming up here even before that, ever since I was a boy. Practically grew up in this area. Where did you live when you were younger? Down in Boulder. But on the weekends, my pops would bring me up here to hunt. We'd always stop by Netherland and get some candy. I've always had a love for gummy worms. Gummy worms? Yeah, my dad would always buy me a pack to shut me up while we drove up to the woods. <laughs> Helped keep me from opening my yap while we were looking for a buck. After I married Annie, we moved up here into the mountains. We wanted to settle down somewhere nice and quiet. She passed about eight years ago this December. I'm sorry to hear that. That's just a part of life. I do miss her, though. I hear you have an interest in Lake Clarity? Yes, I do. What do you know? that 26 people have gone missing in the last 60 years. The most recent disappearances were four teens, three were confirmed dead, one had never been found, and there was an additional teen who survived the most recent incident. One of the earliest confirmed deaths was a young boy named Joseph, who was a resident of Netherland. Ah, that was Joseph Obadiah. He was a good kid. Ned was devastated when we lost that boy. It made everyone real anxious, but he wasn't the first missing person just the first person who people here actually cared about. What do you mean? Jonathan Duvall was a friend of mine up until he went missing. He and his wife, Margaret, were friends of Annie and I. Annie and Margaret had met at the market. They were both trying to buy the last pork roast and decided to compromise and share the roast. They brought their daughter Beth over, and the five of us had a real nice meal together. John and I met at that dinner, and we got along well enough. 
Well, Margaret and Annie schemed to get the two of us together for a hunting trip. Those ladies saw a lot more than we ever did. Boy, were our wives clever. We became good friends and great hunting buddies. Ended up bringing a buck home that year and the next. But in 69, we were pregnant with our daughter Kathy, Steve's mom. Annie was at seven months when Margaret got real sick. We tried to be there and help where we could, especially with little Beth, but a month in, Margaret died. It was a real surprise. We really expected her to pull through. We were all devastated. Annie and I were taking real good care of John and Beth for a few weeks before Annie went into labor. Kathy had a couple of complications, came into the world backwards. We were in the hospital a little longer than we'd hoped. We didn't get home for about nine days. I hadn't heard from John since Annie went into labor, so after we had all got out of the hospital and settled back in at home, I paid John a visit. He lived in a cabin at the perimeter of Lake Clarity, and when I got there, he didn't answer. Something didn't sit right with me. I knew where the spare key was, and when I got in, John and Beth were gone. I went in to report to the sheriff, and I see little Beth sitting there with Winnie, who was the dispatcher and secretary. Beth saw me and ran up crying. Sheriff Hort said that a woman had found Beth by the side of the road and brought her in. Sheriff Hort had gone to investigate the cabin, but found no evidence. Beth wouldn't leave my arms, so the sheriff allowed her to stay with Annie and Kathy and I. After a week or so, Hort concluded that John must have abandoned Beth from the distress of losing Margaret, but I know he would have never left Beth alone. Something happened to him. Wow, what happened to Beth? Well, in between John's disappearance, Margaret's passing, and Kathy's birth, Annie and I were just trying to stay afloat. We eventually located Margaret's parents in Nebraska, and they made their way to Ned and took Beth to live with them. Did Beth remember anything about her dad? If she did, she didn't tell us. Al seemed disturbed by the end of the interview. Why had no one else questioned John Duvall's disappearance? The facts weren't quite adding up. I wish I could interview Beth, but that didn't seem like a possibility. There were lots of red strings, but nothing was connecting. Yet. I was packing my things when Natalie called. That was when I noticed I had missed seven calls from her. My phone had died last night, and I didn't think to charge it until after my interview with Al. Oh my god! Where the hell were you? I've been trying to get a hold of you all night. I'm sorry, I got back late from the hike. Back where? Because you sure as hell didn't come home. No, no, Steve lent me his guest bedroom because he didn't want me to driving home and I was tired and... Okay, well, I'm glad to hear you're all right. I was pretty sure you had fallen off the mountain and died. I was about to call the police, or whoever. I'm totally fine, I promise. I'm packing up my things right now. I just wish you would have called me, or something, to let me know that you were safe. I know. I should have. I was just so exhausted after the doctor's office and I passed out. The doctor's office? Sam! Okay. A dog bit me and I had to get a rabies shot and I'm perfectly fine. You really should have called. But at least you're okay. I'm sorry, babe. I just sat down with Al. Who's Al? Oh, he's Steve's grandpa and he was telling me about Camp Clarity. What? What's Camp Clarity? Okay, so you know those kids that went missing while they... Sam! Look, okay, I know what it sounds like. It sounds like you're working on something besides your assignment against your producer's wishes, and... He didn't say that I couldn't do it, just that I couldn't let it interfere with the dead guy days, and I'm not. Sam, 
Sam, I know it's a sore spot, but it's not healthy for you to- I know what is and isn't healthy, and I thought you respected me and my career path enough- But this has nothing to do with your career path. You were sent up to cover a festival, a human interest piece. That's what you said. Look, I know. I'm heading back down to Denver in just a bit, okay? I'm going to have the shitty reception, so I'll talk to you when I get home, okay? I'm working tonight. Oh. I'll be off at nine. Stay up for me? Sure. I love you. Love you too. Sam. I love you too. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay. Drive safely, sweetie. Hey, Sam! How did the interview go? It went well. You okay? I mean, I know Granddad can really- No, no. I just had a little fight with Natalie. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you need some space, or- No, no. You're fine. It'll be nice to distract myself. Gotcha. Well, um, what do you think of his story? Pretty creepy, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a completely different story than the one I've been hearing around town, including from you. Ah, well, everyone else heard a variation of a rumor of a myth of his story. And I guess it just kind of got lost in translation. I think he prefers it that way, you know? Yeah, I can understand that. Frankly, I'm surprised he still talks about it at all. I would think those memories are something you'd want to bury. Well, it's hard to bury it when the whole town knows the legend. So why does he live here? He could leave. Granddad is a stubborn man, to say the least. Plus, he likes it here. He doesn't pay mind to what people think. Netherland is his home. He's lived here longer than most of the people who have something to say about him. I made my way back down to Denver. When you're driving through the Rocky Mountains, call reception is a rare commodity. So I didn't get Steve's text until I was almost home. He had a pretty bright idea. The text simply read, if you're still curious about the missing kids, why not ask the parents? I hadn't thought of it. Was it my place to impede on these people's lives? To dig up memories they might be trying to bury? I'm sure if Natalie was there, she would have tried to stop me. But she didn't get home for another eight hours, so I set out to see if I could find another lead. I started with my resources at the office, since I needed to check in with Eric anyways. There wasn't a lot written about the missing kids. Fortunately, I knew how to dig deeper, and the convenience of the internet made it much easier. One of the comments on the Sentinel webpage claimed to be a friend of Brandon, one of the four teens who died in May. I found the commenter on Facebook, and after a quick search to their friends list, I found my Brandon. His Facebook page had been memorialized. His friends and family could leave their best wishes and photos of memories on his wall. I felt a pang of guilt, but I pressed on. Brandon's settings were open to the public, so I was able to scroll through many of his friends' posts. From what I gathered, he was a very well-loved person, always seen as the life of the party, joyous, upbeat, and could make anyone smile. This plucked at my heartstrings. I found a legacy contact on Brandon's page it was his mother. After reaching Brandon's mother, she agreed to meet with me. Barbara Washington was a kind woman and very open. I told her the truth, that I was a reporter for the Denver Public Radio, and that I thought there was something worth pursuing with the missing cases at Lake Clarity. You writing a story on my son? Uh, has more evidence come up? Has someone else gone missing? Okay, I must admit, 
I'm not on assignment. I was actually up in Netherlands covering a festival when I heard about what happened to your son and his friends. I think that I might be able to uncover more about what happened up there. How? I lost someone very important to me earlier in my life, and my family asked every question we could think of, but there weren't answers to be given. In regards to your son, there seems to be answers hidden up there at Lake Clarity. Someone just has to know how to ask the right questions. Did you know that there have been numerous other missing people cases in that area? No, I didn't. But I knew a bear couldn't kill all of them. Each of those kids was smart, had their whole lives ahead of them. We gave a lot of freedom to Brandon. Rich and I raised that boy right, and he knew to use his best judgment. I just knew in my heart of hearts that something else went on up there, but that's not going to change the fact that our son is gone. I am so sorry for your loss. It hurts so much to lose your own child, but to lose four, I cry every single day. You knew the others as well then? Mm-hmm. Mike, Allie, Aaron, Seth, <laughs> those kids had spent so much time in this house. I got used to cooking for 10. <laughs> Here, let, let me show you something. Barbara proceeded further into the house and led me through a door attached to the kitchen. It was a fully furnished garage turned bedroom. Once she hit the light switch, the space lit up. There were rope lights, a couch, posters, a guitar, and a TV with a couple of different gaming consoles. This is where they spent their time. When the twins turned eight or so, we needed extra bedrooms in the house because Sasha and Natasha's bickering was driving all of us crazy. Brandon volunteered to move out into the garage. So he and Rich changed it into a bedroom. By the time Lorena left for college, Brandon had built too many memories in this room. This was his space. <laughs> All of theirs, really. We kept on talking, and Barbara continued to tell me about Brandon, her family, and their devastation. I knew how it felt. After some time, our interview was coming to a close. I asked if she could connect me with any of the other parents. She hesitated and then gave me the name and address of Allie's parents. Once I returned to the office, I had a run-in with Eric. Amber's interview was rescheduled, the hotel was booked, and the audio from Netherland was uploaded for Jules and Eric. Finally, I used the name and address that Barbara had given me to look up the phone number. James and Portia Sutton. They lived in the small, posh neighborhood in the Cherry Creek area. Maybe Allie's parents would be able to give me more insight on why the kids went to Lake Clarity. I had strayed away from my original case and had a sneaking suspicion that Eric knew it. But nothing would deter me from following this story, as I was about to be given a new insight as to what had happened, the truth about the teens lost at Lake Clarity. The woman just hung up on you? Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, I'm parked in front of their house right now. I'm just gonna... You're at their house? Isn't that trespassing? I'm not gonna break in or anything. I'm not a TMZ reporter, Steve. Ever since I called, they haven't been answering my phone. I just... I want to figure out what really happened at Lake Clarity. 
This is important. I figure if they just meet me in person, then maybe they'll allow an interview. I know you want answers, but isn't that a little intrusive? Maybe? It's just that the interview with Barbara went so well, and she gave me their names. She wouldn't have given me their contact if they were going to shoot me down, right? I just want to know more about Allie. Okay, I won't pursue them further if they decline me today, but I've got to try. I get it. Do what you got to do. So, what happened with Natalie? Oh, uh, we made up, sort of. Um, she doesn't like me pursuing the story of Lake Clarity. Why not? She doesn't think this is fascinating? She has her reasons, but I reassured her that I will be pursuing this for journalism and my career. I think she has been more upset about me not calling her after our little field trip. But you were practically asleep. That's what I told her, but I could have at least called. That's true. I'm glad that you two made up, though. Sort of. I mean, I think she wants to meet you. She thinks you're adorable. I showed her some of your interview. Oh, jeez. Well, you, you tell her that I'd be happy to meet her. I will. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I'm coming back to Ned next Wednesday. Awesome. Ghostbusters, reunite! Ghostbusters? It's a working name for our investigative duo. How about you come up with something a little more original? I'm going to let you go. The rain has stopped for a moment, so I'm going to see if these people will let me have a chance. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, Sam. Hi, how can I help you? Hello, my name is Sam, and I've called a couple of times. I was wondering if... How dare you? I thought you were done with this. You reporters just can't get a clue. We're grieving. If you, if I had wanted to talk to you, then I would have. And now you have the nerve to come to my home. Ma'am, I'm sorry. Honey, who is... Fan-freaking-tastic. Jesus! Hello? Uh, hi? I want to apologize for my wife's unkind actions towards you. Won't you come in? Um, okay. Uh, I'm Sam Parsons. Pleasure to meet you. Alan Sutton, estate planning attorney. Pleasure to meet you, Miss Parsons. I really am sorry. I... Let's be seated first. Oh, okay. Um, your home is really lovely. Thank you. Please, take a seat. Miss Parsons, it is my understanding that you are a reporter of some sort. My wife is a very strong woman. However, losing our daughter has been very traumatic for the both of us. I would like to apologize for her behavior. You need to understand, she's still taking the time she needs to move on. I understand that, sir. I've come because I want to help. I had no intention of intruding on your family's privacy. Barbara Washington gave me your address. I'm trying to find answers for you, for me, for everyone. Barbara Washington? She's Brandon's mom. He was one of the other kids who were found up at Lake Clarity. Oh, I recall. I only met the Washingtons a couple of times. We only knew a few of her friends, as she didn't bring them over much. She spent a lot of time outside the house. I. 
feel incredibly guilty that I didn't spend more time with Allison before we... before we lost her. Mr. Sun, how do you know you've lost her? They've never found her body. She's been gone for four months. All her friends were found dead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to raise my voice. That's okay. I understand. I really do. I lost my sister when I was seven. She was abducted and we never found her. She was 11. My family searched for her for over a year before we lost hope. She was even featured on that milk carton series. A couple years ago, I registered my DNA just in case someone had found her, dead or alive, but nothing came back from that either. I was grateful that I didn't tell my parents. Didn't get their hopes up. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to face. I have just a few cherished memories with Kaylee. Instead of having a sister, though, she's mostly just been this ghost in my life. And the hardest part has been not knowing what happened to her. There's no real closure. That's why I want to help. I want to find the answers. Find the answers? Uh, honey, how are you doing? I've changed my mind. I'd like to talk to her. Are you sure? You really don't have to. I'd like to. If she's lost her sister, she knows what it must feel like. And maybe she can't return Allison, but... We shouldn't get our hopes about this. What hopes is there to have? Our daughter is gone. But she has a point. I'd like some closure. Hello. Uh, I'm Portia Sutton. Pleasure to meet you formally. Um, hello. Nice to put a face to the voice. I'm Samantha Parsons. What would you like to know? Could you tell me more about Allie, uh, Allison? We loved her very much. She was our eldest daughter. Aubrey is still adjusting to losing her sister. Where's Aubrey? She's at tutoring. She's a competitive speller. Brilliant. Just like her sister was. How did Allie spend her time? What were her interests? Allison was very committed to her studies. She was in the top 10% of her class. She's a very active student through her sophomore year. At the end of her sophomore year, she had fell by the wayside, I'd say. She wanted to drop all of her extracurricular activities, and we wouldn't allow for that. Allison promised us she'd continue to earn high marks if we allowed her more social freedoms. I did demand that she remain in NHS and find one extracurricular activity. They're a very important component to getting into colleges. I, I'd know. I'm a dean of admissions. And what did she choose? Choose? As her new extracurricular. Oh, a pottery club. I suppose she could have picked something worse. I think she picked it just to spite me. I don't know, dear. She did make that beautiful vase for your birthday. Her skills improved so much over the years. Did you know that Allison had any interest in Lake Clarity or that she headed up there? We thought she was going on a hike with Aaron and Seth. She spent most of her weekend sleeping over at Aaron's. We aren't bad parents. We didn't realize Allison wasn't being truthful with us. She told us she was going camping with Aaron, but we didn't think that she'd be sulking around in some decrepit summer camp with a bunch of boys. It's not your fault, Portia. We tried to give her more freedom. She was 18. Every day we're haunted by our carelessness for Allison's whereabouts. Alan and Portia seem to have a different kind of relationship with their daughter than, say, Barbara did with Brandon and the other kids. The Suttons still clearly loved their daughter and had her very best interests at heart. I'd begun to suspect this was just another dead end. Portia and Alan seemed to know less than me, 
I was just about to conclude the interview when... We visited Seth while he was in the hospital. He was in a state You visited of... Seth? Yes, he was delusional. It was very distressing for Alan and I. We wanted to know if Allison was still alive, but all he was capable of muttering about was some creature, and I imagine he was dehydrated or suffering from exposure. It was just awful to see him in that state. I can imagine. It's a shame that he didn't snap out of it. Last I heard, Lucy decided to admit him to a psychiatric care. Lucy? Seth's mom? Do you know where Seth is now? No, I'm not sure. She admitted him about a month ago, but he may still be there or he may be out. This was huge. All the answers I had been searching for were at my fingertips. I felt like, after so much searching, answers were finally in sight. Of course, the papers had lost track of Seth, and there wasn't any public record of where Seth was institutionalized. But maybe if I could track down his mother, I'd have my answers. Seth's mom was easy to find, perhaps to her chagrin. Something gave me the impression that I wasn't the first person to seek her out in search of answers. My phone call with Lucy Omnenson after this break. Hey everyone, it's Pacific. I'd like to tell you about a Fate Crafters Network show, Atheist Apocalypse. 40% of the world's population has disappeared, and no one knows why. All media outlets are gone. Except for one. The dependable KUS9 News at 9 News crew survived the apocalypse and brings you Tri-County news you never thought you could live without. From the constant civil wars raging across the Tri-Counties, to enslaved labor in the form of perpetual inescapable internships, to weathermen who never actually report on the weather, all the seediness that is the entertainment industry, KUS9 News at 9 and its crack staff of personalities are guaranteed to help you see the world you live in, in a whole new way. This satirical audio drama is amazing. I love it with all of my heart, and I think you will too. Check it out wherever you find podcasts. Hello, is this Lucy Omenson? Yes, who's this? Hi, my name's Sam Parsons. I have recently met with Barbara Washington and Alan and Portion Sutton, and I'm a reporter for the Denver Public Radio. I was wondering if I could meet with you and your son, Seth. I was hoping to meet with him and get his account of what happened at Lake Clarity. Hello, Sam. I'm sorry to say, but I don't think it would be in Seth's best interest to meet with you. This event has caused him a certain amount of distress, and right now we're trying to rebuild his mental health. We are working towards moving past this trauma. Of course. I'm sure he's had an incredibly hard time recovering from the loss of his friends. Thank you for understanding. If it's my recording that bothers you, I don't have to record Seth. I could lend my ear to him and how he's been processing all of this. I don't think you understand. My son has experienced a severe loss, and it has impacted his sense of reality. He believes his best friends were attacked by a monster. We are finally getting through to him that this is not the case. We just took a step forward, and I do not want him to take two steps back. Can you try to understand? Yes, I'm sorry for the intrusion. I hope you have a pleasant day. Thank you, Lucy. You as well. <sighs> Something told me this wasn't Lucy's first time turning down a reporter. At a loss, I instinctively called Steve. So close and yet so far. This sucks. Yeah, it does. I just wish, I don't know, I really wanted to just talk to him. I know. I'm sorry, Sam. D did you find out what hospital he was in? Allie's parents said that they last saw him at the children's hospital. I don't think he's been moved. At least he's in good care. Yeah, at least there's that. I wonder what he saw up there. 
Me too. Hmm. Hey, I'm gonna look into something. Call you if I find anything. Have a good weekend, Sam. Oh, wait! After the phone call abruptly ended, I went back to my interviews with Barbara and Alan and Portia. I was convinced I was still missing something. But life had other plans for me. Instead of spending more late hours on this side project, Natalie decided I need to spend more quality time with her. We went to a new art installation on Santa Fe. It was a much needed break, and come Monday, it was hard to focus on my primary assignment. Late clarity, however, was ever present, but I did my best to ignore the urge to delve back into the mystery of the lake. Natalie and I were out to dinner with our friends Tuesday night, and I missed a call. To my surprise, it was a voicemail from Steve. It said, Sam! You won't believe it. Guess what small town historian just secured an interview with Seth. It was me. I'm coming to Denver tomorrow morning. Can you have your equipment ready and meet me at 9 a.m. in the main lobby of the hospital? I hope so. Call me when you get this. I tried to call Steve back, but it was just after midnight, and he didn't answer. I assumed Steve must be asleep by now to make it down to Denver on time. My head was spinning with excitement. How did he do it? Needless to say, it took everything for me to fall asleep. I woke up to a text from Steve announcing his departure from Ned. After filling up on coffee, I made my way to the hospital lobby and waited impatiently for Steve to arrive. Sam! Steve! I have so many questions. How did you make this happen? I went straight to the source. I sent a letter to Seth Friday morning after you hung up. I explained that we wanted to hear what he had to say and that we believed there was something bigger than bears happening up at Camp Clarity. I left my number, and he called. Oh my god, you're my hero right now. Don't get ahead of yourself. Not quite yet. We still have Lucy to deal with. Wait, uh... Seth said he's allowed to have visitors. Actually, the doctors have been encouraging it. I guess they just want to see him interacting with other people. He hasn't had any visitors since he was admitted into this hospital, so we're cleared to visit on their end. However, Lucy has to approve us since Seth is still under her guardianship. And she's probably not very happy with us right now. She told me no. Yeah, but see, Seth turned 18 recently, so we're in a gray area right now. He should technically be allowed to accept or decline his own visitor list. What now? I mean, we're here right now, so what are we going to do? Well, we're going to go to the psychiatric ward, and Lucy will probably be there. We may have to get her permission, or they may just allow us in. I guess we'll just have to go and see. <sighs> Ready to go? Yeah, well, let's do this. We walked to the hospital. Steve and I prepared ourselves for the worst. More after this commercial break. Hey everyone, it's Pacific, yet again. I'd like to tell you about another podcast that I'm currently obsessed with. The White Vault. Embark on a journey to the Arctic Circle in this slow burn horror podcast and discover what's lurking just beneath the ice. The show is found footage style audio drama that features voices from around the world. So if you have a moment, subscribe to The White Vault or stream it on iTunes, Spotify, or however you listen to podcasts. The White Vault. When you hear it, it hears you. This is Outpost Freestead. I'm reaching out for seizure group and possible rescue services. A storm has stranded us for over a week. Anyone, please respond. Then go do it then. If we can leave, we need to get moving. This storm is not normal. We must leave. Hi there, I'm Stephen Blackwell, and this is Samantha Parsons. We have a 10 o'clock appointment to visit with Seth Omenson. Good morning. Is your name spelt with a P-H or a V? It's a V. 
I'll just need a form of ID for each of you, either your driver's license or passport. Perfect. Take a seat over there. I'll process these, print your visitor's passes, and we'll have you on your way in just a few minutes. So far, so good. Sharon, they're here. Right over there. Hi there, I'm Lucy Omenson. You must be Steve and Sam. Hello, ma'am. You're correct. I'm Steve. You've been in touch with Seth for the past couple of days. Yes, I know. And you are Sam, the reporter? Uh, yes, I am. Let me be clear. I am very upset about this situation. If nothing else, because I told you I did not think this was the best for Seth and you completely disregarded me. However, the doctors think this may be healthy for Seth. You are the first guest he has requested to visit with him and you will be meeting with Seth today for one hour and I will be standing by in the next room for any and every reason which you can think of. Yes, ma'am. You are a very caring mother. Seth is lucky to have such a good mother in his life. He's right. Thank you for saying that. All right, are you ready to go in? Sure. Here you both are. Make sure your passes are placed on the front of your shirts and always visible. Here are your IDs. Thanks. Thank you. The Children's Hospital had some of the best healthcare specialists in the state. This was the best place for Seth to get treatment. Despite knowing this, there was a certain uncanniness here. The halls were brightly colored and there was vibrant art on the walls, juxtaposing the somber mood that filled the halls. There were so many young people here. After walking down the eerily empty hallways, Lucy stopped and knocked on Seth's door. Seth, sweetie, Sam and Steve are here. Thanks, Mom. Seth looked normal, like your average American teenager. He had some acne, messy hair. I'd imagined he would be wearing a hospital gown, but he was even dressed in normal clothes, jeans, a t-shirt, and a hoodie. He appeared comfortable in this room. Hi, nice to meet you guys. Hey Seth, thanks for meeting with us. My pleasure. All right, Mom, you can go now. Are you sure? You agreed. Okay, all right. Text me if you need anything. Sure. Sorry about that. Mom has been pretty worried about me. It's fair for her to worry, but God. Anyways. How are you doing? I'm okay, all things considered. You're recording this? Yeah, but I can turn it off. No, it's not a problem. I don't mind. Steve says you're writing a human interest piece on the frozen dead guy days? Yeah, I am. It's my first real piece with Denver Public Radio. That's really cool. When is it this year? March 9th, 9th through the, the 10th. 10th. Maybe I'll be out of here by then. I'm in here right now because they think what's happened is enough to make me crazy. What do you remember about Lake Clarity? Steve. What? I'm sorry about that, Seth. Please, don't be. People have been walking on eggshells around me. This is refreshing. A lot of my memories have become fuzzy. They've had me on a lot of different medications since I was admitted here. Let's ease into it, then. Why did you go up to Lake Clarity? I used to have a podcast. It was called Pod in the Woods, you know, like Cabin in the Woods. See, I've always been a huge fan of horror and, and spooky content. In the podcast, we read scary stories, reviewed scary movies, and we even checked out a haunted house one time. After I heard an interview of Don Parker, of a famous writer... Of Under the Floorboards and Beyond the Walls? Yeah, that's him. He was talking about Lake Clarity in this interview, and we'd all been wanting to go on a camping trip anyways, and we decided to take a weekend in May before graduation and spend it up at Lake Clarity. It was a two-birds-one-stone kind of thing. So you were recording a podcast while you were up there? I was trying to. Obviously, that episode never went up. Where has the audio gone? 
I don't know. I still had my recorder on me when I was running, and then sometime after, the hospital lost it. Do you mind if I ask, what were you running from? I don't... I thought... I've been second-guessing myself a lot about this. About the monster? Yes! Wait, how did you know? I know I may sound insane, but this is why I'm in psychiatrics. Don't be hard on yourself, Seth. You've been through a lot, and Allie's parents told me about what you said. Those two. Was there some bone you had to pick with them? I have every bone to pick with them. I can't believe they just gave up on searching for Allie. I told them that I thought Allie was still alive, and nobody listened. Do you still think she might be alive now? I... I think so, but everyone has been telling me how unlikely it is and how crazy I am. She saved me, you know? How did she save you? The night I was found, I was injured. The... I hurt my head. A hatch fell onto my head after... after... Do you need a break, Seth? No, it was after that monster killed Brandon. At the bunker. The hatch hit my head. I was almost knocked out. Definitely out of it. There's a massive structure under the camp in the mines. There are entrances and exits all over the mountainside. Do you remember what happened to Allie? When was the last time that you saw her? We were hiding in the cabin from the monster. Did the monster get her? No, she had gone for help. I was sleeping and she left me a message on my recorder. The one that's lost now. Did you go searching for her? I was dizzy. I got away from the cabin. I reached the road. And then that crooked ranger picked me up. She had something to do with those monsters. Seth, you're not making a whole lot of sense right now. What ranger? She killed her partner, and she would have killed me too. The monster attacked her. She tried to shoot it, and the bullet ricocheted and hit my arm. And that's how I got out of the bunker. I think now it's time to take a break. Just to be clear, I know I sound crazy. I knew what I saw, but the medication and the therapist have been getting to me. I've been worrying, what if it was in my head? All of the evidence, all of the recordings are gone. I, I even had files and, and a picture, and it's all gone. No one could find the rangers. No one could find Allie. It's like it was all swept under the rug. I hope you can believe me, but even if you don't, Somebody needs to find Allie. Seth, is everything okay? Yeah, Mom. Uh, I'm fine. I brought you a drink. Thanks. How's it all going in here? Fine. fine. All right. Pretty good. Oh, shit. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I could care less. What's the matter? I totally forgot about my interview with Amber. I rescheduled for today, and I was supposed to be in Ned in an hour. Shoot. Seth, I'm sorry. I have to go. That's all right. I'll come with you. Actually, can you wrap it up here? I forgot my suitcase at the house, but I'll meet you in Ned. Is that all right? Oh, uh, sure. I can do that. And Seth? Yeah? Keep your chin up, okay? I'll keep looking for Allie. Bye, Steve. See you back in Ned. With the excitement swirling around the Seth interview, I had completely forgot about my commitment with Amber. I knew Natalie and Eric would both be infuriated with me if they had known about my error. Everything Seth had to say was enticing, but what was I supposed to do about it? I couldn't deny that monsters did sound a little crazy, but this was different than anything else I had heard thus far. And this was the eyewitness account.
This is Private First Class Tanner Dagen. I have been tasked by Staff Sergeant Hicks with cataloging the items recovered from the Lake Clarity Bunker and the surrounding premises. We are currently stationed at the bunker. They'll know where you are, Daggett. Right. I thought it would be more official if- When I gave you the recorder, it was for the purpose of using during the actual task of cataloging, not for you to start your own personal diary. I know that, Sergeant. I was just trying- Come on! Step off the elevator before it fuses with the rift and eats you alive. Shit, it can do that? This way. The boys have done a lot to fix up this place. That they have. Still a job for double the amount of men we have. The shitters still don't always work. Mess hall is still running at 50%. Up to 50 now. Great. Operationally, we're sitting right at 8 to 10% capacity. I'm sure we'll be at 18% by next week, if God is willing. Exciting stuff, Sergeant. Have your badge ready. We're coming up on your new home for the next few hours. All in all, this was a real shithole before. Secure your mouth, Daggett, and stand up straight like you're a military man. Badges? Thank you. Badge? Private? Your badge. Uh, yes, Sergeant. Can you hold this? I have it right here. Thanks. Can I have you both sign? I didn't realize it was still on. Still unnecessary at the moment. I don't want to forget, Sergeant. So, kind of smells in here, no? This is your home for the next few hours. Most of the rooms on this floor are non-op, but your room should function just enough. Review and catalog everything that is bagged or barring some other signifier. This is your ledger that you will be cataloging into. These are three ballpoint pens. These are the only pens you'll be given. Oh. Make them last. Well, three seems sufficient. You'd be surprised. Each item needs a detailed description. If you don't know what it is, set it aside to be assessed later. Assign each item an official tag number and remove the temporary tag. Place those tags into the temporary tag bag and set it aside for incineration. You'll find your supply of bags right at the front right here. There they are. Got it. Also, do not open the evidence bags or handle the items outside of their containers. Don't play with them or anything else you may come up with on the spot. It was one time, Sarge. One time. For the larger bags, you will need to unzip them. Wearing gloves, which are located with the tag bags, inspect and notate anything peculiar. Again, avoid touching them. I will be returning to check on you at 0400 hours to see your progress. You can count on me, Sergeant. Daggett, even God won't be able to save you if I come back and catch you sleeping. Uh, I'm wide awake, Sergeant. One more thing. No one else is to come in here. If it isn't me, shoot them on sight. What if they show credentials? Shoot them. Oh. Okay. Sure. The door remains locked the entire time. Daggett. Seriously. Not even for a butt-naked supermodel. Not. Even. Loud and clear. Question, though, Sergeant. Quickly. The bathroom? Is that a question? How do I use the bathroom if the door remains locked? <laughs> You've been equipped with two five-gallon buckets at the back of the room. Both bear a number. 
one and two. All right, then. That is my answer. I'd say have fun, but don't. Okay. Let's see what we have in here, shall we? Hmm. <sighs> what a mess. Of course you get chosen for this assignment, Tanner. Send you into the bowels of the spookiest place on Earth. For what? It's not like Hoffman's eyebrows won't grow back. Probably. Oh, uh, it's still recording. Okay. So, details. Details, details. The room is roughly 20 by 20. Pretty good-sized room. And it's filled with what I would also guess to be 150 clear bags and some large black bags laid out on some tables. Doesn't take a genius to guess what they contain. Also explains that smell. Great. Just what I wanted. All in all, it's a, a lot, but I should be able to get it done in no more than three hours. Today's date. My name. So far, so easy. Time is... Come on. Brand new pen. Fucking won't work, will you? <clears throat> Great. Let the official record show that one of my three allotted pens came defective. I'm currently down to two pens. Testing remaining pen one. Yes! Put that one in my pocket for safekeeping. Now for remaining pen number two. Bingo! Two pens fully functional. Oh, back to the task at hand. Let's see. First bag. Item number Alpha 634823 Quebec. There seems to be a note on the back of the tag. It says, Hello, I'm Mr. Sanchez. I sometimes pry, though I don't mean no offense. Sometimes I'm up to no good, for which there is no pretense. My body is comprised of lead. My will is not my own. For when I meet your skull, you'll for certain be dead. What the fuck? Well, it didn't take long for things to get creepy. Assigning official tag number Juliet 072576. Hmm. Let the record show that the crowbar's name is indeed Mr. Sanchez. As someone has scrolled across it. Maybe it belonged to Mr. Sanchez? We may never know. Okay, logged. Next up, you know what? Let's get one of these big bags out of the way. Second thought, let's just power through all the big bags. I doubt a few hours from now I will be able to deal. Oh, oh there is some real funk coming off this one. We've got label Alpha 983421 Quebec. This time, no note on the back of the tag. Item description... Item? It's really more like a person... thing... monster combo. Ugly as all shit. Would you? Holy shit! This is test subject 54-321, aka Jonathan Duvall. You smell just as bad as I imagined you would. I will credit you with enduring no refrigeration for as long as you have. Kind of a waste of a giant monster, really. You got the short end of the stick, my man. Mr. Duvall shows signs of several gunshot wounds, though this is just me going off memory. But I do believe Joanne was responsible for bringing Big Boy down. 
to the tune of one, two, three, four, five. Five gunshot wounds. Thank you, Jonathan. Assigning official tag number Delta 040378. We have here, wow, another bag. Tag number Alpha 135790 Whiskey. A pair of Gucci sunglasses. The glasses seem to be covered in a gray crust. Maybe this belonged to one of those kids. Not sure why we want to keep them, but I'm sure it's above my pay grade. Official tag number Alpha 012376. Okay, this one's a little interesting. Tag number Alpha 246802 Foxtrot. How to describe this? It's like if a spider fucked a lizard, then fucked a sloth. It is dead, I, I hope. The craziest shit falls out of the rift, you guys. Most of it harmless or easily managed. Hmm. Giving Splice Lizard, official tag number, Lima071068. On to tag number Alpha123456, Zulu. Really? Seems a shame to toss the tag. <laughs> Ugh. These boys are ripe. I suppose embalming would have been too much to ask for. We have three large bodies dumped into one very large... Hello. Uh, hey. What are you doing? Everything okay? What's that smell? <laughs> Three ripe, murdered, late clarity forest rangers. Kind of gross, really. Thought you were making food in here. Or something. Fuck. I don't think Sergeant left me with any food. Would you like to go eat? Gotta finish up in here first. If I can do it quickly enough, we can go sneak off and find a vending machine. Can, can I help? Well, Sergeant Hicks told me that no one is allowed in here, so not the best idea to be in here. It's really quiet out there. I'm actually supposed to have shot you already. Shoot me? Well, I mean, I'm not going to. That, that'd be a bit over the top. I'm sure he wasn't being literal. Friends, then. Heck yeah. Name's Tanner. Nice to meet you. I'm Bronson. Can never have too many friends, Bronson, am I right? No, never too many. You want to handle the writing in the logbook, and I'll describe what to write in there? Only got two pens, but you're welcome to one of them. For me? Yeah, take it. Thank you very much. Still got one more right here in my pocket. This is going so well. Gotta say, Bronson, you're a pretty cool dude. You seemed a little stiff in the hallway. These people are dead, Tanner. Yeah, right. Back to work. Ranger 1 and 3 look to have been killed by a single shot to the head each. Hell of a crack shot. Ranger 2, make sure you write this doll down. Of course. Ranger 2 met more of a grisly end. They were torn apart. Teeth marks. Humanish teeth marks. That smell is really interesting. <laughs> that is an understatement, pal. What's in this bag? It smells amazing. Whoa, don't don't go too far ahead. This is what I was smelling. Well, I can't say you were wrong. It sort of has a fishy smell. 
So, tag number Alpha 654321 Zulu. Another weird one. Write this down. Humanoid creature man fish thing. Thin and slight in frame. Gills on either side of the neck area. Hey, Bronson. Pal, pr you probably shouldn't be touching that body. Gills. This one has gills. Crap. Kind of sticky, yeah? Fucking gross. Smells good, though. Right. What? What are you doing? No. No, 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 no. Don't put your... Mouth. Why? Pretty good. Want some? Maybe I should do this solo. I'm helping. Yeah. Look, I'm not even supposed to have you in here. We're friends. I'll help you. Just... Let me... Let me grab the book. Great! Uh... There's just squiggles and dots. You didn't write anything down. Great! Give me the pen. I have to go back and redo these. Taking break? Perfect. No. No break, Bronson. You fucked me. Just get back to your post. Are we not friends? Friends don't buddy fuck each other. Oh. Pen, please. This tastes terrible. What are you doing? Here, you try some. No. Bronson, get back to your post. Tanner, I'm sorry. Let me help you. We're friends. Bronson, get back to your post. You're acting a little weird. Is that a gun? Okay, you're, you're acting weird. You are going to murder me? Leave this room and I won't have to. Leave and we can pretend this never happened. Murder me like those three bodies there? The ones with the holes in their skull? Look at yourself! You're clammy. You have blue ink drooling out of your mouth. You don't look right! We are not friends? Get back to your post, or the next one will connect! We are not friends. Fuck. You are way stronger than you look. Can we just start over? No! We were friends once! Getting dark. Pen? Why would you want a pen? It tastes terrible. One left. Where? Here! <laughs> Three pens. Wasn't too many. Following the recent uh, incident in the storage room, Private Tanner Daggett has been reassigned. It is now clear to us that an anomalous being has emerged from the rift. If Daggett's reports are to be believed, it would appear this being is of low human intelligence, but possesses abilities that higher-ups have deemed very valuable. Daggett has been tasked with tracking and capturing the bean. Yes, Mommy. I promise. Just take yes, I'm almost at Amy's house. Yeah, okay. Love you, Mom.
Hello? Is anyone there? Guess not. Hello? Hello? If you're trying to scare me, it won't work. Sir? Are you okay? I have a phone. I can call the police. Hello? Where are you? Hello? Mister? Mrs? No, please, please don't stop. I was frantic to return to the Netherlands. I sped most of the way up the mountain and arrived just a minute after we were supposed to start. I had called Steve to meet me there. He beat me back to Ned. After frantically grabbing all of my equipment and storming into the coffee shop, Amber waved me down. Hi, I'm Sam. Yes, I'm sorry I'm late. Oh, it's totally okay. I just sat down a second ago. Oh, shit. Do you need a moment? No, no, I'm ready. Needless to say, I wasn't ready. After shuffling through my bag and nearly having a panic attack, I finally found my notebook and my questions for Amber. So I have a list of questions I'd like to ask you, all about Frozen Ted Guy days. If I can just find it. Take your time. You're my only meeting for the day. Slow day? Usually it is this time of year. We don't even start putting up posters until December. But the festival is your passion, right? It is. I spend a lot of time booking bands and dealing with all the boring zoning paperwork that has to be done for the festival. Aha! Those your notes? Indeed they are. Sorry about that. Really, no trouble at all. And without further ado, is Frozen Dead Guy Days a full-time job for you? Oh yeah, at least it feels like it is. And it seems to take up more time each year. As the festival gets bigger and bigger, we add more events and see more people in attendance, there's more work to do. You know you're doing a good job when you've created more work for yourself. What's your favorite part of the Frozen Dead Guy Days? Alright, this might sound a little odd, but it's actually the one event that has almost nothing to do with Grandpa. It's the Pancake Breakfast. Oh yeah? Yeah, it's one of the things we've done since the inauguration of the festival. I just think it's really neat to see how many people come out in the early hours of the morning to be part of something bigger than themselves, in common celebration. It's also a great chance to see how much the festival grows every year. There's something really exciting about that. What makes Frozen Dead Guy Days so unique? Well, I think it's a great event that brings everyone in town together. No matter where they're from or how long they've lived here, everyone can bond over Grandpa. Back in the 90s, it was a big controversy that intrigued the masses, but the town was on odd side. What's your process of getting ready and setting up for the festival? Well, first things first, we have to pick a date. Usually we aim for right around mid-March. From there, I spend a lot of time reaching out to performers, inviting them to our show, and then I get to work on the parade. I leave the designing to everyone else, but it is my job to calculate how long the parade will be and who it will feature. Local businesses submit for approval and often sponsor a hearse. Have you ever had anything crazy happen during the festival? Mm, good question. Best I can think of is a year or two before I took over, this young man comes running down the hill screaming at the top of his lungs that he found Bigfoot. <laughs> So we all turned to see this drunken kid stumbling down the hill, followed by an equally drunk teen in a gorilla costume. Quite a sight. And is this how Netherland became one of the hotbeds for Bigfoot sightings? Maybe. Though anyone raised in Netherland isn't worried about Bigfoot. He's a temperate creature. 
He probably prefers something warmer, but our residents are pretty keen on trying to find furry fish. Excuse me, did you say furry fish? Sure, we get lots of people go fishing on Baker Reservoir, and when I was a little girl, there was rumor someone caught a fur-bearing trout. Apparently, they're a creature occasionally sighted in Colorado, kind of like a jackalope. And I thought having a dead resident was weird. It's all in good fun, and it really brings in the tourism, which I can't be opposed to as a member of the Chamber of Commerce. Well, actually, I'm doing a little side project on the Lake Clarity Curse. Do you see a lot of tourism spurred from that local legend? A few extreme ghost hunter types come to town. We've had two television networks try to make it out, but the Parks and Recreation Department gave them a hard no, even though it would bring in a ton of tourists. Anyways, sorry, little side tangent. Did you have a few more questions for me about the festival? Oh, yeah, sure. How was the festival changed from its inception to when you took over and then now? Well, I think size is the most obvious answer. How's that? The first year, it was mostly locals and people from the bottom of the mountain, and now we draw crowds from all across the country. It's pretty incredible seeing it all grow and come together. Do you have any plans for the future of the festival? Not anything I can reveal right now. It's honestly hard enough planning three years ahead. But I'm always keeping an eye out for new ways to expand Brighto's celebration. Do you have any additional thoughts that you'd like to share about Frozen Dead Guy Days? There's nothing I can think of, but come out, eat some pancakes, enjoy the weather, and let's celebrate. Thanks a ton, Amber. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. Can't wait to see how it all turns out. And if you're ever coming up short with interviewees, I can always put you in touch with some of the folk who help me do what I do. Have you talked to Guy Evans? I did. He was one of my first interviews, actually. Really? That bugger didn't even tell me. Have a good day, Sam. My work here was done. Fortunately, Eric had agreed to put me up for one night, so I headed across the parking lot to Coal Creek Lodge. Outside, the early signs of dusk had started to tint the sky. I stood and watched as the wind rustled the trees. It was so peaceful up here. I strolled over to the hotel. When I entered, I saw that two officers stood across the counter from Courtney. They looked grim, and one of them had a stack of papers in hand. Oh god, that's horrible. I'll keep my eye out. Thank you very much, Courtney. It's appreciated. Everything alright? Hey there, Miss... Uh... Parsons. Ah, right. How are you, Sheriff? Well, I'm quite alright. Have you met my deputy? This is Jack Seating. Yeah, nice to meet you. I think I saw you once. Uh, didn't I see you here in the lobby with that trucker? <sighs> yes, ma'am. He was quite the trouble. Now, this time of year is always stressful. You know, between keeping the eye on the local teens and making sure everyone stays safe. What brings you up to Ned? Didn't quite get what you needed the first time around? <laughs> That's exactly it. Just following up with a few interviews. Everything all right in town? More crazy truckers? <laughs> no, no. No crazy truckers. Were it so easy? Unfortunately, Jane, a ten-year-old, went missing last night after the annual trunk or treat event. We're spreading the word for folks who don't know yet. To watch out for her. We got the rest of the squad out searching, and our regular search party volunteers on the perimeter of our town. She was last seen heading to her friend's house on the edge of town. Here, here's a flyer. You know, just in case you see her. Thank you. I'll have to keep my eyes peeled. 
Thank you, Miss Parsons. Have a good evening, ladies. Another child had gone missing? I felt myself on the verge of tears, but I fought through them. Can I get my room key? Sure. Here you go. How was your trip? It was fine. That's a shame about Jane, ain't it? Yeah, I, uh... I'm sure we'll find the missing kid. You know, it'll be okay. I'm so sorry. I have to go. Finally in my room, away from everyone else, I cried. Somehow my shaking hands managed to call Natalie. Hey, hun. Get up there, okay? Natalie. Sam, are you okay? A little girl went missing here in Netherlands. Sam. She was only ten. Oh, Sam, honey. I need to find her. Sam, that isn't a good idea. How about you leave this to the authorities? I can't. I can't. I can't. Sam, I love you. Take a deep breath for me, please. I can't just let another kid go missing. Just take a deep breath. Okay. Sam, I know this is hard for you. And I know you feel like you have to save everybody, but you don't. I don't think that. Listen. Just listen. I love you very much. I love you too. When you first started looking into those late clarity teens, I didn't say anything. Because I knew I couldn't stop you. And that you'd pursue the story anyway, but now... Now I'm... But now, now I'm asking you please to stop. You are pushing yourself too hard. Between the stress of your frozen dead guy days assignment and those missing teens, you're stretching yourself too thin. We were together all weekend, and I swear, Sam, you were lost in thought the entire time. What, I can't think now? Too dangerous for me? No! Sam, you know that is not at all what I'm saying. I'm trying to say that I'm worried about you, and I want to make sure that you're okay. And I think that this side project of yours has pushed you too far, emotionally. I need to go. Sam, don't hang up on me. I'm your girlfriend. I'm here for you. Just talk to me. Why should I? You're not hearing me out. Sam! I'd have hell to pay with Natalie. But right then and there, I just wanted to be alone. I felt alone. Just like I did all those years ago when my sister went missing. I hated feeling helpless. I needed to know the answers. I wanted to go out and try to find this little girl, but Natalie's voice of reason had me questioning my judgment. Was it best for me? Am I taking this too far? Just then, a piece of paper was slipped under my door. I thought at first it was Courtney, giving guests some update about the missing girl, but as I unfolded it, I found this was not the case. Atop the page it read, in plain English, for Sam. Then there were some spaces and it said, A-Z-B-Y. A-Z-B-Y? Was this the sender's name? As seemed to be the case lately, I had more questions than answers. In the center of the page, there were handwritten symbols, definitely not English or any other discernible language I'd seen. Yet the symbols, basic as they were, looked familiar. It was written in some kind of blocky code. This new distraction fueled me, and I jumped into action. An hour blurred past, and after using my handy-dandy notebook, I discovered that the code was a Masonic cipher. It's a basic code that replaces English letters for variations of angles and dots. That was the easy part. I then tried translating the symbols using the reference, but all I got was a string of gibberish, and that's when my phone rang. 
was expecting it to be Natalie, and now that I had calmed down, I was ready to talk to her. Instead, Steve was calling. Hey Sam, how did your interview go? Have you had a chance to play back the rest of Seth's interview? No, I I found a note and what are you doing right now? Nothing, I was going to see if you wanted to get a bite to eat. Can't, there's no time. How quickly can you get over here? In about 20 minutes or so. 20 minutes? Well, I have to wrap up some things and then I... Okay, well, you hurry here and you can help me and we can listen to the recordings after. Steve arrived shortly after. It took him so long because he stopped at the Thai restaurant to grab us some takeout and I've got to say that... I was grateful. Steve looked at the note and realized, Whoever gave you this note also gave you the key. A-Z-B-Y. It's a, it's a pattern. After reshaping my code, I came out with a new answer. Not all is as it seems. Lake Clarity has more secrets. If you want to find them out, meet tonight, 7.30 p.m. under Town Hall. Cryptic and unnerving. How many people knew I was actively investigating Lake Clarity? Eric, Steve, and Natalie. Sure. But who else had I told? Amber? John Barlow? My mind was spinning, trying to piece together everything. Steve was so giddy, he strongly encouraged me to do as it instructed. It'll be just like an action movie. You and I, the Lake Clarity Busters. The Lake Clarity Busters? Yeah, because you didn't like Ghostbusters. You go in and investigate this strange note, and then I'll be on the lookout, and maybe I'll have to do, like, karate chop in a guard or something. Steve got a little carried away, but with his encouragement, I had lost any instincts that this situation could actually be dangerous. With an hour to spare, we began planning our mystery meeting. Our only precaution was for Steve to keep a lookout while I went in. I was ready to find out more, and I did. Alright, you ready to do this? Yeah, let's go over the plan one more time. Yeah, okay. I'll go inside and you'll... Stay outside on lookout. Yes, and if you see something or someone that may seem suspicious or dangerous, then you'll... Run in to kick some sweet ass! No, no. You're gonna text me about it, and if it's fine and I'm safe, then I'll send an okay. And if it's not, then I'll dial you, and you'll get help. Okay, okay, fine. Are we gonna do this, or what? Yeah. Are you nervous? Excited? I was both. As nervous as I may have been, the prospect of answers or knowing what really happened at Lake Clary last summer was too much to pass up. It comes as no surprise that the town hall is an old wooden structure dating back to 1874. While it has been outfitted with all the modern comforts, the front of the building hasn't changed in almost 150 years. I'll look out from just across the street. I'll be watching from the abandoned garage, okay? Okay. Here goes nothing. What's, go- what's going on? No one's answering. Uh, what should we do? Shoot. Oh, uh, wait. My memory serves me. There used to be a quilting club that met in the basement. You know what? Follow me. I knew there was another entrance. Okay. What now? What do you mean? You knock. I'll go back to my lookout spot. Stick to the plan. Okay? Right. Okay. You've got this. Yeah. I do. Okay. I'll wait here till you're back over there.
I waited a moment before entering a hallway, with old photos of Netherlands spread from inch to inch across the walls. I stopped and stared at a few. Honestly, this isn't what I expected after decoding a cryptic message. I was prepared for something cult-like in nature. Instead, a familiar face greeted me at the end of the hall. Hello? Rob? What are you doing here? Hi, Sam. I was hoping you'd make it. Right this way. Wait, is this some kind of practical joke? No, no. I assure you, it's nothing of the sort. Sam, we called you here because we all have a mutual interest. We? Please, come in. Hello. You must be Sam? Uh, yeah? Pleased to meet you, Sam. I'm Dr. Asher. Amanda Asher. Nice to meet you. Um, can you tell me why you left a note under my door? What do you know about Lake Clarity? <laughs> Quite a lot. Uh, we take it upon ourselves to keep tabs on Lake Clarity and its anomalous properties. Anomalous properties? Sure. There's a lot of radiation beneath the lake. There is? All this will be explained. But you must meet one more person. Who? Hello, everyone. Sorry I'm late. I thought someone may have been following me. Don't worry, it was nothing to concern ourselves of. My name is Cornell. Amanda and Rob are my two most trustworthy associates. I couldn't do what I do without their cooperation. I presume you're Sam Parsons? That's correct, and again... What was that? Rob the door. Sam? Steve? Dr. Lamontia? Sam? Steve? What's going on here? Uh, this is my friend Steve. We asked you to come here alone. We don't know him. I could say the same about you. I can vouch for him. He's okay. I'm sure she was just taking the proper precautions for her own safety. Rob, he's safe? I did a thorough background check on them both. You checked our background? Yes, but we gave explicit instructions to the girl for our own safety. How can we trust We didn't give her a lot coming in. Here, let's just... Sam, Steve, did you tell anyone else you were coming here? No. All right, then everything's fine. Let's proceed. We need the data and the status of the anomaly. What is it that you do? What have you called us here for? We called Sam here because we need assistance and thought a relationship with her could be mutually beneficial. We ensured that the Lake Clarity anomaly doesn't disturb the balance of life. What Rob means to say is there is more to Lake Clarity than what meets the eye. You said anomaly. What's this anomaly exactly? We don't know. Not fully. But our preliminary findings show that it can act as a gateway between two points of time and space. So, a wormhole. You found a wormhole. In layman's terms, theoretically, yes. Holy shit. Holy shit. So, where is this anomaly? It's under the lake, in a bunker. Under Lake Clarity, the Department of Defense has constructed a fully operational base. It was built with the intent of using the energy from the anomaly, but has been shut down for a number of years. It was built as an extension off the old mines and into a state-of-the-art, for the time at least, lab and development center. To develop what, exactly? I was part of the original science team for the Department of Defense. We were attempting to weaponize humans. What? At the time, we didn't know anything about the anomaly. 
The brightest scientists in the country were tasked with the job to develop a human into a stronger and more capable being for America's interest. We didn't know much about the energy beneath Lake Clarity, only that it would take our work to the next level. When we began our work, we didn't understand how much bigger it was than ourselves. Our lack of precaution was our team's undoing. After an error in judgment, Project Machiche was shut down. What happened? We created something we couldn't control. After my dismissal, I tried to return. There were so many unresolved matters, but being under military orders, I was not able to disobey. Doing so could have had me arrested, or more likely killed. I feigned my own death. I was killed in a car accident over 20 years ago, as far as anybody in the world is concerned, except for Asher and Lamentia. And now both of you. I still don't understand. Why? So that he could be off the radar. She's correct. It was so I could monitor the anomaly without anyone knowing. Without getting in any trouble. So why don't you do it? I cannot risk being recognized. Rob and Amanda both have roles in this community. If they were to expose themselves, it could jeopardize our entire operation. Security's been minimal for the past 20 years, but ever since the five children went missing last May, security at the base has increased. We have been unable to keep up on our monitoring, and we are concerned. We'd like you two to scout out Lake Clarity for us. There's a hatch near the campgrounds, and we want to know if it's viable to enter through there, as we require an asset held within the bunker. Why us? You are known as a reporter. If you are found snooping around the lake, well, it might be expected. You will likely get away with a slap on the hand. And even you, Steve, are known as a ghost hunter, and your presence shouldn't set off any red flags for security. I actually prefer the term Lake Clarity Buster. Eh? Don't mind him. Please continue. Rob told me you already visited the area once, so a return trip wouldn't be out of the ordinary. And what exactly do we gain from all this? A wide smile spread across Cornell's face. He took a step back, opened a satchel, and pulled out a manila envelope. You two strike me as a curious type. We offer knowledge in exchange for knowledge. Now these are classified documents. Stating you receive them from a dead man will do you no good, but something like this... Well, that'd be a huge break for your career, Sam. We have lots of secrets. Working for the government's had its perks. Cornell was putting a lot on the plate, assuming I believed his story. But what am I risking in saying yes? What exactly do you need us to do? Amanda and Rob can guide you through how to best enter the base and how to reach the space we need eyes on. We will need very specific photos taken. You can only touch what we advise you to touch and we'll need a sample of sediment, nothing more. We'll do it. We will? Wonderful. And with that, we awaited the instructions Dr. Asher and Dr. Lamontia gave us. They provided us a makeshift map with the fewest visual cues possible. Dr. Lamontia asked us to commit as much as we could to memory. I could tell they didn't want anything linking our knowledge back to them. This was a little unnerving. We were given a high-quality point-and-shoot camera, and Rob reviewed with us how it worked, though it seemed obvious. They wanted to leave nothing for chance. We were given gloves and a Petri dish. Before we left the town hall, Cornell handed me a really small slip of paper. He said he'd be waiting for us at the address and to proceed with all caution. What are you thinking? Look, 
You know I'm all about ghost stories and everything, but you just volunteered us for, like, a suicide mission. How so? Did you hear any of what he said? The bunker was built by the Department of Defense. I bet they have a bunch of soldiers up there patrolling the area. We didn't know any of this last time we were up there, and as far as anyone else is concerned, we still don't know any of this. So let's just say we get caught. I don't like this. Let's just say we do. They're going to think we're clueless, just like Cornell said. Man, you're really drinking the Kool-Aid, aren't you? Ah, come on. You can't tell me you're not at least a little curious. Don't you want to see it? Steve was curious. We went back to my hotel and planned out our hike. We'd leave around 8 a.m., drive up there, and spend a few hours exploring. In fact, Steve even came up with the idea of visiting the local forest ranger station, and he said he knew one of the rangers there and thought he might be able to get access to the campground. Around midnight, Steve went home, and I did my best to get a full night of sleep, but the prospect of new knowledge kept me up. Okay, it's the morning of the big hike. Just waiting for Steve to arrive so we can head up. It's so incredibly stunning up here. Cold as heck, but beautiful. Oh. Oh my god. There's a herd of deer. One, two. There's four deer just walking down the road, not even a block away. This is incredible. There's no cars out to scare them away. I mean, most people haven't even woken up yet. Steve. Hey, long time no see. Ready to go? Look, the deer. Uh, yeah. Aren't they cute? Sure, I guess. Ready? Let me just give Natalie a quick call. Let her know what's up. Alrighty. Hey, you've reached the voicemail of Natalie Churchill. Please leave a message. Hey, hun. Just wanted to call you and say I love you. I'm about to go on a little morning hike with Steve, and then I'll be headed back down to Denver. I should be back sometime around 2 or 3. I'll try calling you back before I leave. Bye! The drive up was peaceful, and the roads were empty, save for one or two semis making their long commute. We arrived at the ranger station around 9.30, as it was a little past our turn for Lake Clarity. It was a quiet little cabin. Inside, there were educational plaques and displays set up for any kids or tourists who might stop by. We walked in, Steve admired the displays, and occasionally spouting off facts he found interesting. Eventually, we made it to the front desk. There sat a woman, in her mid-to-late-fifties, I'd guess, with her feet propped up on the counter. She shot us a smile as we got near. Howdy! Is that Steve I see? It is I, Steve. How the heck are ya? Doing pretty well. Yourself? How's Al? He's doing well. It's a little too cold for him right now. His arthritis and the cold aren't getting along too well. Sorry to hear. It's a little too cold for me. Don't tell me you two are going out for a hike. Actually, we are. I wanted to get in one more nature walk before I headed back to Denver. Ah, city folk. This is who you're hanging out with, Steve? You're too much. Joan, meet Sam. Hi, Sam Parsons. I'm a journalist. Oh, covering the frozen dead guy days, yeah? Yep, that's me. How'd you hear? I try to keep informed. And plus, ain't got much to listen to but gossip when I'm at the front desk. I've heard good things about you. Oh, I'm flattered. Mind if I ask you about Frozen Dead Guy Days? I'd feel left out if you didn't. (laughs) It seems everyone has different answers, but what is your favorite part of Frozen Dead Guy Days? I live outside of Ned, but I make a trek down here, sun or snow, just to see it all go down. And it's comforting, being surrounded by your neighbors. Very nice. 
Um, have you been celebrating the festival for a while? Almost since it started. You know, I think that's how I met this young Lynn and his grandpops. At the festival? Yep, it was about six years ago. No, not this story. Ah, uh, yep. Oh, Lord, Sam, cover your ears. Well, I made my way down to the festival, and I was at the big breakfast. And she met my grandpa. Well, that's not all. No, really. Oh, boy, I love making you blush. I'll spare you this time. What? You gotta tell me. Mmm. Don't. Well, Al was trying to wingman for Steve, so he thought it would be a good idea to buy me a beer and have Steve here deliver it. Now it's been a while since a fellow brought me a beer, especially such a young guy, so I asked him if he meant to give it to me. Turns out Steve hadn't realized that his grandpop had set him up. Happy now? Very. <laughs> so what are you kids up to today? Well, we were going to head up and take some nature photos, and I was wondering... Yes? Do you think you could sneak us into Lake Clarity? Steve, you know I'd love to help you out, but I gotta stop you right there. Can't happen. Damn. Sorry, Steve. City came down hard and said I'm not allowed to let anyone near the camp. Last thing anyone wants is more missing people, you know. No, I completely understand. Well, do you know any other good, creepy locations nearby I could check out? That I can help you with. Have you already heard of Tungsten? I have. Actually, I already snagged some photos, too. Isn't that nice? In that case, I suggest you try scouting out the old Golden Lumber Mill. It's about a half hour west. Do you know where Idaho Springs is? Well, they do have free guided tours, and there's lots of old creepy stuff in there, including a mine you can venture in. That sounds pretty awesome. I'll add it to my list. Thanks, Joan. We should probably head out, you know, before you try sharing another embarrassing story. You know, that reminds me of this one time when... Sam, we're going. Steve was quick to drag me out of the ranger station and avoid further embarrassment. Though Joan wasn't able to help us, we weren't going to be deterred from our mission. We knew what we had to do. Holy shit, this is it! Oh my god. The hike had taken a while, and it was worth it. Before us was Camp Clarity. A small summer camp with six cabins for campers, a large mess hall, and a lavish-looking cabin next to it. The only problem was... Huh? This is new. How long do you think it's been here? Mm, probably since summer, right after the disappearances. Yeah, that would make sense. What are you doing? Inspecting the fence for weak points. Oh yeah? How's that going? Well... I think I found our way in. C can you squeeze in through here? Yeah, let me just... Here, let me hold this open. Thanks. And just like that, we're illegally trespassing. Oh, no, we were trespassing as soon as we got into the trailhead. This whole area of the woods is close to the public. Ah, of course. So, according to the scientist's instructions, the hatch is just over there. Uh, see where the trail splits? Yeah. It's in those woods. Well, let's get on with it then. Whoa, hold up, we just found Camp Clarity, the hotbed for paranormal activity in this area. And you don't even want to explore a little? It's just an old campground. Just an old campground? You're crazy! Sim, this is where it all went down. Seth told me all about him setting up camp here, exploring the headmaster's cabin, finding some crowbar. Oh my god, there! Where? Follow me! Steve! Steve, wait up! I gotta get all my... And you're gone. That's fine. Steve, where did you go? Steve! 
Ollie, ollie, all except free. Still nothing. <sighs> Steve, you asshat. <laughs> you should have seen the look on your face. That was priceless. Why? <laughs> oh my god, why? Nailed it. Ow. You earned that. Was jumping out of the tool shed the only reason you wanted to come over here? No. I had to check this out for myself. Here's the headmaster's cabin. Come on in. Looks cozy. If you don't mind the breeze, I'm pretty sure this door was busted open. Seems like Camp Clarity had some rough seasons. Hey, Steve. Look at these. Oh, I've seen these before. They're all about Camp Clarity. Look here. This is one about the grand opening, and this one is right before the camp closed. Boulder Boy Goes Missing. Tuesday, July 25th, 1972. Joseph, age nine, went missing the night before Camp Clarity's program was set to end. Steve, this was John Barlow's friend. He told me all about this. Wow, I didn't know John was here when it happened. Poor guy. Let's go finish our mission. Let's. Steve and I were quiet. I don't think either of us really wanted to admit that Camp Clarity hit closer to home than we realized. After talking to Seth, his mom, his friend's parents, and all the pedestrians I've met over the last month, it was clear to see this was a fresh wound, and it was still bleeding. Even more prevalent in our minds was the gravity of our task. Neither Steve or I wanted to dwell on what we had been tasked to do. Breaking into a military bunker wasn't the smartest thing I've ever done. Wow. This is it? After you. No, really, I insist after you. Nope. Payback for the scare. You go down first. I'm not gonna like this. How's it down there? Not too bad. A little cold, though. Come check it out. Okay, but I swear to God, if you try to scare me again, I'm locking you down there. You have my word. But I want the record to show that it would be very easy to scare you. You're awful. Is that why you keep me around? Something like that. Hey, Steve, you see this? Oh, don't tell me. It's blood. And just like that, we've stepped into a horror movie. Now, this is the part where you say... Let's investigate. Yeah, that. I mean, there's only one way to go, so... Unless you're chickening out now... Let's follow the trail of blood. Not so much a trail as it is... Skid marks? I don't like this. I'm not too fond of it either. Do you think it belonged to one of the kids? Whoa, hey, I... I don't think so. I just... I hate imagining what could have happened down here. To Seth's friends? I, I don't know. This is all just feeling really... real. Yeah, I know what you mean. Left or right? Um, let me check. Cornell's instructions say keep right and follow a hallway down until we hit the second door. Is it that one up there? Looks like it. Alright, let's do this and get out of here. I don't want to be here any longer than we have to. Aw, uh, where's your spirit of adventure? It turned to nausea when we found the blood. I just... I don't like being down here. I getcha. We'll go fast, okay? Be out in a jiffy. Sounds good.
place is. Trashed. Looks like a wild animal went through here. Think it was Seth's monster? Maybe. He didn't really go into details about it, so I don't know if it would have left claw marks. Claw marks? Look where my flashlight is, see? On the file cabinet. Jesus. Alright, let's just get this thing and go. Uh, where did Cornell say? He said it would be in a file cabinet marks 23B. Do you see that anywhere? Uh, let me look. None of these. 47G, 52H. How's it look over there? Lower letters? Nope, I got 68K. Okay, so it's probably further this way, then. What do you figure is in all these? I don't know. Probably lots of status reports. <laughs> Steve, seriously, let's just find the file we need and get out. Okay, yes, but just hear me out. Trial number 0034, subject 1928J, has shown rapid muscle growth and... Do you think they were making mutants? Super soldiers? Like Captain America? Sure, but I doubt they were as ethical. We did cut a lot of corners during the Cold War. Seriously, though, take the file if you want it, but let's find the one we need. Okay, okay. 32C, 27B... Oh, here we go! 23B! Here it is, Cornell's records. Are you gonna read it? If he wants us to know, he'd tell us. Okay, sure, but we did come all this way. Hmm, maybe when we get back up. Let's just... They'll know where you are, dadgit. What are they saying? Steve, shh. What? Whoever else is down here cannot know that we're here. So what do we do? Just wait them out. I'm sure they'll be gone any minute and we can make a break for the exit. So we waited. Crouched behind an overturned desk, I tried not to think about whatever else had gone through this room and tore it to shreds. As I sat there, my eyes adjusting to the dark room, I started to see the extent of the destruction. First, I saw a second set of claw marks, scratched deeply into a concrete wall. Then, in a pile of scattered papers and broken glass, was a dark stain, and a trail of blood leading further into the room past what I could see. I was certain, well, mostly certain, that whatever had been down here was gone. It had to be, right? There was no way in hell that anyone would leave some deranged animal or dare I say monster, roaming down here. But then I thought of the fences surrounding the campgrounds and realized that maybe, just maybe, whoever had blocked up the camp didn't know about the bunker that laid beneath the lake. Steve. Yeah? I don't want to be here anymore. Why not? The decor is unsettling, to say the least. I think it's been long enough. Let's just get out of here, all right? Follow me. Leaving the bunker was... intense. Every creak and groan without an identifiable source gave Steve and I a reason to pause. We were positive someone, or something, was down there with us and we were dead set on getting out. When we finally made it to the hatch we came into, Steve and I were ready to rejoice. We were both so relieved we made it out in one piece. Whether or not there had actually been anything down there, I'm not sure. Come on up. Wow, I cannot believe we just did that. That was crazy. You're telling me. Was that the kind of adventure you were looking for? Sure, just let's not do that again anytime soon, okay? You don't have to ask me twice. Alright, we should probably close this, right? Why? Do you think something would follow us out? No, I just don't want anyone to know we were down there. 
Oh, duh. We closed the hatch and Steve began walking away. I let my eyes linger on the hatch, taking a moment to bask in success, but my mood was spoiled by another dark stain, just like the one that was in the filing room. A small, dark red pool of blood covered part of the lid. I was quick to leave and catch up with Steve. We started heading back the way we came and had just gotten to the other side of the fence when we heard a voice. Hey. Steve and I froze in our tracks. Had we just been caught trespassing at Lake Clarity? Uh, hello? Hi there. Stop right there. Steve, shut up. What if he knows? He doesn't. What are you two doing out here? Don't you know this is a restricted area? Is it really? Yeah. The fences would be your first clue. Yeah, we actually... Uh, we we lost our dog. Uh, we thought maybe he'd climb back in there. Spot is usually great on his leash, but he tugged a little too hard for me and ran off in this direction. We were just hoping to find him. Listen, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm gonna have to ask you guys to leave the area. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for your dog, okay? Say, have we met before? I... Uh, no, no, we haven't. I didn't think so. It's just I know about everyone who lives in this area, and I haven't seen you before. I'm Steve Blackwell. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm Ranger... Uh, Tanner. Yeah. Uh, I'm new to the area. Just got transferred. Now, I'd love to chat with you folks all day, but really, I gotta get you out of here. Oh, yes. Of course. Just so you guys know, if I catch you here again, you will be charged to fine. Oh, of course we understand. Thank you for being so understanding. Needless to say, I was relieved that Steve and I didn't get it fined for trespassing or breaking into a top-secret military bunker. Ranger Tanner walked us around the camp and to his truck, where he gave us a lift back to our car, and then he gave us a pen and pad of paper so Steve could leave his name and number. Tanner assured us he'd call if he found out anything about our dog. Though, something gave me the feeling that Tanner didn't really believe us, but he let us go free. I can't believe that just happened. There's no way he believed us, right? I don't know. Let's just hope for the best. What do we do now? Let's get this file and our photos back to Cornell. You still want to go through with his plan? I mean, I don't want to quit now. I think we're on the brink of something really big, Steve. We began the drive to Cornell's house. It was hidden away, higher in the hills outside of Netherland. The drive was peaceful, a nice change from the terror I felt in the bunker. Is this it? Wow, this is beautiful. We must have a ton of money to afford a place like this. Hey, do you think he's going to pay us for doing his dirty work? Steve. What? You can afford it? I mean, I guess you're not wrong. Oh, wow. I actually have signal here. Huh. Hey, Steve, go on without me. It looks like I have a missed voicemail from Natalie. And it looks like I have three missed calls and a bunch of texts. Shit. Sam. You really need to answer your phone. I'm really getting concerned. I'm sure that you're out of reception, but it's just been a while since I heard from you, you know? You know what? I'm coming up there. Please call me back when you get this. God damn it. Sam, Sam, come here. Damn it. Can I catch a break? Sam. What, Steve? They're gone. They left this note. Sam and Steve, we've been discovered. Rob is missing. No more contact.
It's Sam Parsons. I'm likely out saving the world or reporting on someone who did. So leave a message after the. Hey Sam, I just got into Netherlands and it sounds like you still don't have the signal. So I guess I'm just going to hang around here for a while and hopefully I see you soon. Please call me back. God damn it, Sam. I just wish you were actually talking to me, but no, you're off with your dumb friend and ugh. It's fine. It's fine. Hello, ma'am. Hey there. How can I help you today? I actually have an odd question. I may have an odd answer. My name is Natalie, and I think my girlfriend Sam was staying here. Oh, the reporter? Yep, that's the one. Yes, in fact, she did stay here. Right. And do you know if she's here right now? I've been trying to get a hold of her all day, but her phone... No reception? Yeah, happens all the time up here. Sometimes, I even have trouble with the landlines. <laughs> Crazy, so... So... Is she in? Oh, so sorry. One of those days, you know. Um, no. Sam actually checked out earlier today. Around noon, I believe. Uh-huh. I see. And you don't know where she might be, do you? Hmm. Well, I think I saw her leave with Steve. He's the town historian. I know. All right, well then, thanks a bunch for your help. Hmm? I just saw her walk by. Where? Go out the door, take a left. I think I saw Sam in the parking lot. Finally, catching a break. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Sam! Sam, hey, wait up. What the heck is wrong with you? Didn't you hear me calling? I, uh... Hello. Is that all you have to say? I've been trying to reach you all damn day. I've been fucking worried sick because you basically dropped off the face of the earth again. And all you have to say is a hello? I'm sorry, that's just not gonna cut it. Sorry. Sorry? Wow. Okay then, fine. I guess you're in one of your moods. I guess I'll just drive back to Denver and wait for you to decide you want to talk to me again. Thanks. Wait. Yes? I must go home. Yeah? You finally ready to stop obsessing over this project? Yes. Well, I'm glad we're making some progress. Where's your car? I parked just around the corner. Car. Far. Far? How far are we talking? Damn. Damn what? No. I must go to the dam. Oh, you left it over there? Did you walk back into town? Yes. I don't see why you just left your car outside of town, but whatever. Let's go. The fuck? Are you coming or not? If you're going to keep giving me the cold shoulder, you can walk back to your car. All right, then. Let's head back into town. Maybe we can see if anyone at the clinic saw Rob recently. You don't think 
whoever might have taken Rob will take us if they catch us poking around, do you? Well, the thought hadn't crossed my mind, but now that you mention it... Nope. You're right. We should try and find Rob. He can help us sort this all out. Hey, Steve. Do you mind if we look around for Natalie, too? Oh, of course. Why? Did something happen? No, I think she's just worried about me. She left a voicemail saying she was coming up to Ned. I'm sure it'd put her at ease to know we're safe. But are we? Ow! What? It's a legitimate question! Let's just go. Are you okay, dude? Yeah, I'm fine. Why? Don't take this the wrong way, but you're being kind of aggressive. I'm sorry, it's just... There's a lot on my plate right now. Is there anything I can do to help? No. Just take me to Ned. I think I'll feel better when I see Natalie. Aye, aye, Captain. That's all the confirmation I needed. Cornell thought... Thought that he'd be safe if he sent a journalist and a historian to Site 5? Well... It doesn't matter. You're coming with me and we're going to put an end to the whole charade. Tanner, they don't know where he is. None of us do. I think he'll come out to retrieve his precious file. That's his magnum opus. I seriously doubt that he'll let it out of his grasp so easily. If you say so. Where are we going? (laughs) And they said you were the brainiac? We're following the bait. Should I just pull into the parking lot? Yeah, that'll be fine. I might drop by the hotel real quick to see if Natalie stopped in to see me. Didn't you check out earlier today? Yeah, but I feel it might have been the first place she looked. Alright, lead the way. Can I just say your girlfriend is so sweet? I see why you two get along so well. Yeah, she's pretty wonderful. Oh, so I assume she stopped by to see me? Yes. Uh, do you know where she is now? Oh, did you guys get separated? I'm sorry. Last time I saw her was right before you two met up. What do you mean? Oh, well, Natalie, that's her name, right? She stopped in, asking where you were, and as she was leaving, I saw you outside. So... She went out to meet up with you. But I haven't seen her since then. Uh, I'm sorry, but what? She left here with someone else? Uh, I, uh, I was pretty sure it was you. I saw you through the window. I haven't been in town since this morning. Oh, I see. I must have sent her to the wrong person. (laughs) How odd. I could have sworn it was you. You don't have any idea where she might have gone afterwards, do you? I'm sorry, I don't. That's fine. Thank you so much for your help, Courtney. Of course. Sorry I can't help you more. Don't sweat it. Come on, Steve. Wait, you're forgetting something. What? Rob! Oh, God, it entirely slipped my mind. Courtney? Yeah? You haven't seen Rob today, have you? I don't believe so. But I've also been trapped behind this desk since 7am, so there's a lot I don't see. Have you already tried the clinic? 
Nope, that's our next stop. Bye, guys. Good luck. See you, Courtney. Bye. That was weird. The whole Natalie thing? Yeah, a little bit. I'm sure. Just... Uh, who else could it have been? Could have been anyone, really. There's plenty of young people living in Netherlands nowadays. I guess so. Rob has to be at the clinic, right? Either there or his home. Does he live far? Nope, just around the corner. Alright, let's check the clinic first, and then if he's not there, we'll check his home. Rob was nowhere to be found. In fact, he hadn't even called into work that day, and it seemed his co-workers were growing concerned that something might have happened to him. Steve and I took it upon ourselves to visit his house, just to make sure everything was alright. When we arrived at Rob's house, the front door was open, just a crack. We can't just go in, can we? Legally, no. But we are here to check up on our friend, and his door is open. I think we have to, just to make sure everything's okay, right? You're right. Inside, all the lights were off. Even in the middle of the day, it was pretty dark. Cautiously, Steve and I made our way through the cozy home, past framed photos of Rob with his friends and family, various nerdy knickknacks, and into his kitchen. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary, save for the lack of Rob. Rob? Are you here? We're just checking to make sure you're okay. Rob! After sweeping through the first floor and finding nothing, we checked upstairs and still found nothing. That's when Steve had the idea to drive back to Cornell's house. He thought that maybe if we could get inside, we could see if Cornell had left another note for us. As we were running pretty short on leads, I agreed. We headed back to Steve's car, and we drove out of town. But on our way, we passed Natalie's car by the side of the road. Steve, stop the car! Wait, what's up? That's Natalie's car! She's here! At the dam? I guess. Steve, I don't see her anywhere. There's a little trail. It's just past where the fence ends. Over there. See it? Do you think she went that way? There's not really anywhere else to go. Where does it lead? To the base of the reservoir. Lead the way. The hike down was long and full of switchbacks. Steve and I lost the trail more than once. Any other day, I'm sure I wouldn't have minded going off trail. Or taking our time to enjoy the golden leaves of pale aspen trees. Or the crystal clear creek that was running parallel to us for most of our hike. Instead, I was anxious. We had lost contact with the secret scientist society. And now Natalie was missing, and perhaps it was just my baby gut speaking up. But something did not feel right. About half an hour after Steve and I had started our hike, we came upon a rest area with a few picnic tables set up and a breathtaking view of the river. This was the fork in the road. Either you could continue further down the mountain or you could start hiking back upwards. Steve thought we should head back, just wait for Natalie at her car. That way she can't miss us. But I insisted we continued forward. We had come to a standstill when I noticed something out of place. There was a small, almost hidden trail behind a broken banister and an all-too-familiar dark stain, just like the one I'd seen in the bunker and on the hatch. Do you see this? You're kidding. More blood? We have to check it out. It might lead us to Natalie. I'm sure it was just some wildlife that scraped itself on the broken wood. I'm going down this trail. I gotta try, Steve. Steve was reluctant, but eventually followed. 
The trail took lots of twists and turns, and at one point I was certain we had lost the trail. But we pressed on, and eventually we merged in a large clearing, surrounded by aspen trees. Natalie was on the ground. I rushed to her side. She was unconscious and had a large cut on her forehead and scratches across her arms. I picked her up, but her body was limp. Natalie, wake up! Please wake up! Steve, come here! Help! You have first aid experience, right? Is she okay? Move aside. I I need to lay her down. Okay. Uh, What can I do to help? It's faint, but she's breathing. Sam, in my bag, there's an old shirt. Hand it to me. Okay. What are you going to do with it? I'm hoping my dirty shirt smells gross enough to wake her up. (gasps) It worked! Hey, how are you doing? Get away from me, Samantha. Whoa, I know I didn't call, but I tried looking for you. You're awful, and right now I don't think I can be near you. Natalie, I'm sorry. Sorry doesn't make up for my cuts and bruises. What do you mean? What happened? You attacked me, Sam. No, I didn't. I've... I drove you here to get your car. Then you took me out to this clearing, and you just went berserk. What's wrong with you? I'm sorry, Natalie, but I've been with Sam all day. That didn't happen. No? Then who left this gash on my head? Oh, Sam, in my bag there's a first aid kit. Hand me the gauze. Ah... Thank you. I assume you're the great Steve I've heard so much about? Yeah, this is... Steve Blackwell. I've heard a lot about you. Wow. Quite a name. Thank you. Runs in the family. Ha. I feel that. Natalie, are you okay? I'm fine. Natalie, I didn't attack you. Then someone wearing your face did. What the fuck? You scared me. I reiterate, what the fuck? That's not me. We were all baffled. Standing right before us was a perfect copy of me. If I wasn't crouched next to Natalie, I would have sworn I was looking at my reflection. No, I'm not you. Not quite. Not really. In the span of just a few seconds, my doppelganger molded, melted, shifted, and suddenly it wasn't me standing there anymore, but a little girl. No older than ten, wearing a fluffy purple coat and a knit white hat, with a purple flower. I had seen this little girl before. You're the missing girl! Oh my god, it's Jane! What are you? Lost. Where's your home? The little girl pointed past all of us in the direction of Netherland. You're from town? No, Sam, she's from the bunker. Bunker? The bunker, yes, the lake! Are you from beneath the lake? Yes, from beneath the sea. What do you mean? You're from the ocean? No, no, I think she just doesn't know the difference between sea and lake. To her, it's just a body of water. How do you know that? History buff, duh. When Europeans first landed here, some Native American tribes had only one word for water, rather than words for river, lake, sea, and so on. So you're from the bunker. Someone made you? Yes, I was made. In a different place. A different place? Like the anomaly? Oh my god, yeah, what if Jane... er, It came from the anomaly. Anomaly? I don't understand. Just like that, the little girl standing in front of us stopped talking. A bright red hole emerged. Jane, or the thing that looked like Jane, had been shot in the head. The little girl's body fell, and moments later, Ranger Tanner and two other rangers I'd never seen before came barreling out of the woods. 
Oh no. No, no, no. No. She's... Guys, we need to get out of here. I didn't know who shot the doppelganger, or who the two rangers behind Tanner were, but everything in me screamed that we needed to go. Stop. No one move a muscle. Tanner bagged the body. Affirmative. Samantha Parsons, Steve Blackwell, and Natalie Washington. I am now hereby detaining you. Rangers can't detain... Department of Defense, ma'am. Please do not resist. Hey, watch it! What the fuck is going on? And just like that, I could see my investigation had gone too far. Whether it was chance or fate, I had found the one story that changed my life forever. Samantha Parsons. I'd like to ask you some questions. Don't I get a lawyer? No. This is off the books. I promise your cooperation will go a long way. Fine. How did you first hear about Lake Clarity? Town ghost stories. Everyone in town seemed to have something to say about Lake Clarity. And from there, you took it upon yourself to investigate? Yeah. I related to the case on a personal level. Please, elaborate. My sister went missing when I was young. I wanted to do some good and discover what happened to these kids. The three dead bodies wasn't enough? Allie was missing. I thought I could find her. Do you have her? No. We do not. Finding Allie Sutton is one of our top priorities. It is? What leads have you found? I've been investigating for a while, but I keep hitting dead ends and- Samantha, please. Your skills as an investigator are particularly remarkable. I thought you'd be a useful asset to our team. What? You're offering me a job? You'd be able to learn things that you never would working for some radio station. What would this job entail? Putting together pieces and covering our tracks. You knew where to look. And it's of utmost importance that we don't have a repeat of this incident. And if I don't accept? You walk free after signing an NDA. For obvious reasons, we can't have any information regarding Site 5 being leaked to the public. Hmm. And if I do accept? Then you start now. All right. I'd have to call Eric. No, you wouldn't. You'll be given a new identity. It's imperative that all our operatives are free of connections. Who are you people? Sam, I'd love to tell you. Sign this, and I can. the voicemail of Natalie Churchill. Please leave a message. Hey Natalie, it's Steve. You probably know that. 
I hope you're doing alright. I know Sam loved you, even if you guys were fighting. There was so much that she told me about you. And I know that she knew you loved her too. I... I'll see you at the funeral. Bye, Natalie. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.